and welcome to the Funny Style Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Robinson. Today we have Brian Milligan, Eric Erlacher, Jimmy Moynihan. So, <laughs> so everybody, oh, yeah, we gotta get close. Else, yeah, yeah, except for because Eric has been here a bunch. So, Eric, can you kind of let everybody know how long you've been doing comedy? Yeah, I've been doing comedy about uh, six months now, and uh, so I'm still very new. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of new on the scene. Yeah, <laughs> funny story. The first time I ever went to see a amateur comedy show, it was at the local bar, Key West Bar, up in uh, Indian Harbor Beach, and this guy taps me on the shoulder. He's like, "Hey, man, can you can you quiet down?" What an asshole! It, it was Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy. What? It was Jimmy. Yeah, it was Jimmy. <laughs> Shocker! Jimmy's running around telling people to shut up. <laughs> I, re- as I remember that exact interaction too, and I was scared because you're a big guy. Like, you know, like when it's like some puny. You know, anorexic lady. And or like, like a six, hey, shut or, up. Or like a 60-year-old man. Yeah. <laughs> that shoves you into the elevator. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, does, for starters, does anybody have, has anybody had any shows since the last time we met? Uh, no. Uh, well, yeah, we did the Beachside Open Mic last night. Uh-huh. That was fun. Matt Glidden hosted it. That was his first time. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a good time. Oh, but well, yeah, but I, we I was here Saturday, so. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Kim, well, the night we went up with Ken Miller. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. That one was good. We didn't actually get to talk about that that much. No, that was yeah. fun. We, yeah, we yeah, kind of just talked about Ken Miller. Yeah, because so. it was his like yeah. podcast. So, I, no. yeah. Oh, I roasted Jenna Jameson last night. What? And then, <laughs> and then I did the gimmick. And. Uh, that's a bit. So, so how, yeah, how did that come about? Yes, yeah, so let's talk about this. The gimmick? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Spotham messaged me, said that this this woman, Jessie Lawless, was getting roasted. She's a big TikTok star. She has, like, you know, one point something million followers on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And he said that he needed help writing jokes and if I would roast her as well. Mm-hmm. And so... And then he's like, uh, Jenna Jameson. He, she's dating Jenna Jameson, right? You know? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. That'd be easy to write jokes about. <laughs> and so I was just like writing a bunch of roast jokes about her and all her friends, which was painful because like I was in the group chat with them. And I'm like, hey, I need you guys to send me like stuff that you do, your interests, your jobs, and stuff like that so I could mm-hmm. write jokes about you. And one of them literally said, um, no. Like I'm literally trying to, yeah. to do my job. <laughs> and they wrote, you know, I'm a cunt and I'm worthless and I don't do anything. I'm hot. But uh, so I wrote jokes about him. And then the day of, um, Pete messages me and goes, hey, Jenna is flying down to Coco with Jesse. So Jenna Jameson's going to be there. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I'm re- now I'm writing jokes about Jenna Jameson. <laughs> but uh, he's like, Pete was like, um, you know, just dro- dress, just like dress nice. Mm-hmm. And like, so like, I'm thinking like hot girls, it's going to be like crazy. So I I wear a tie and a dress shirt, nice pants, yeah. shoes. I clean my shoes. I put... Uh, I used cologne, put cologne on my chest. <laughs> like a cologne bottle I haven't used since, like, 1999. It's aqua de yeah, That's exactly what it was. <laughs> I'm not sure where this night's going to go. It's literally from high school. Right 
That's supposed Dude, to be one of the best ones, though. You can't nice. go wrong. No, it's, 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 so a, it's a banger 100% yeah. of the time. <laughs> like, the only problem is, like, some girls will like, smell it and be like, ah. It's like the, you know, like the Walmart of good yeah. cologne. Yeah, but it, for girls, it's like uh, cucumber melon. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like, same time frame. Exactly. Yeah. And also, like, if I smell a girl that smells like cucumber melon, I'm like, Fuck yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's it's like, like I think, ingrained in our brain. So I think like girls, like, <laughs> girls will smell it and recognize it, but they're not upset about it, <laughs> is what I was telling myself when I was spraying it <laughs> on my balls and my... At least it wasn't an axe, like whatever. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, the I'm chalk- going a little fancier tonight. Remember the chocolate axe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that oh, was pretty dope. So, I, I like how they told you to wear clothes. <laughs> yeah. I came in just so you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have your dick hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about it. And then I'm like, this is might be crazy Jen and Jameson's there I looked on her the group chat and mm. all of her friends are like super hot mm-hmm. just hot ladies one was Miss Petite Florida and I love petite girls <laughs> and uh so like I I grab a blue chew and uh I put a couple in my pocket and then I'm like I'm gonna eat one maybe I'll like I was thinking in my head like, it's going to be this crazy, like, Fuck I'm going to get jerked off, <laughs> jerked off in the bathroom and shit like that. But I forgot to, I had one that I unwrapped. <laughs> it's okay. Do you have something? Uh, More important. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no the, the girl that you said was Miss Petite Florida, I think I know who that is. Oh, I was looking at her, yeah. But then I realized they're Beth? like, volley. yep, that, you know, that. Yeah. Beth York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really hot. Uh, so I forgot to take the one I unwrapped. Anyway, I go in there and it's like super busy and there's this big, uh, you know, guy like you, black guy, mm. um, <laughs> guy like you, uh, that wouldn't let me in. Mm. And uh, so Pete had to come down and bring me up. And as I'm walking past the stairs, Jenna Jameson's just there with like two like huge dudes around her mm. as I'm walking up the stairs. <laughs> and then Pete's like, you know Pete Spoth. Mm-hmm. He's like a million miles per minute. He's like this little five foot one dude. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like freaking out. And I'm like, he's like, okay, so what I want, I think what's best is like, you just sit in the audience and then like, we'll like, you'll be like a surprise roaster and just come <coughs> out like, you know, just come out of the audience. Like, so I'm just an asshole who came on stage right. and starts yelling it. Right, right. Then no one knows because like everyone else on the day is. Um, everyone knows. Everyone that. knows. Yeah. And I'm the, so, but like so, I'm just sitting in the sitting in the crowd with a, a tie on, and no one else has a tie on. I don't, and then I'm like, why the fuck did I wear a tie? Why do I have a tie and a plaid shirt on? I feel like a substitute math teacher. And, and so like, they're just like going through and like how are the girls doing the girls are fucking crushing okay awesome. yeah they're fucking using with, your jokes no right? without my jokes oh really yeah they're barely any of my jokes were used pete used most of most of the jokes that i wrote <laughs> um, and he didn't tell them right <laughs> but uh so i'm like fucking nervous because like these girls are killing yeah and they're crushing and also there's two dudes in the back that are just heckling like, if it was a comedy show, it would be a problem. Like, they're mm. just screaming, like, shit. Just, like, just obnoxious shit. Mm-hmm. Heckling every single uh, roaster. And then, right before I went on, uh, Jesse, the girl that was getting roasted, brought those two people up. 
And like, why is she doing that? And they're Twitch streamers. Mm. So they're like... They're also popular. They're paid to people, be yeah. annoying, obnoxious assholes. Yeah. <laughs> so now they're on stage, like, three feet away from me. I was worried about them in the back of the room, and now they're, they're right up there. on the stage. Yeah. And then I go up, and I just... I'm, like, shaking. I haven't been this nervous in a while. But I just told... just I had it all written out, so I just... I, then I tried to look around as much as I could. Yeah. And every single joke, I just looked at Jenna Jameson to see if she was laughing. And she she laughed pretty hard at a few of them. All right, nice. That's all I cared about. Yeah. Just wanted, you know. And oh, then one yeah. time she put her... A couple times she put her... She did the head back laugh. And, <laughs> Comedy so highlight of your career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it is pretty cool. <laughs> but then afterwards, I get off stage, and I was a... I was the last of the roasters, and then Jesse talked for about a half hour about... I don't know. I was paying attention. (laughs) But then after it was over, and they were like, there was going to be a dance, and I was like, I thought it was going to be on the dais on the stage. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. pretty... You know, anyone would think that. Mm -hmm. And so everyone on the dais is, like, taking pictures, and uh, I'm just in the crowd with a tie on. (laughs) And then they're like, we're going to have a DJ, so uh, if, any, if anyone wants to help clear the chairs, uh, that would be appreciated. So I'm, like, sitting right by the chairs, so I start moving the chairs. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, the only one moving the chairs. <laughs> so everyone else is getting pictures, and Jenna Jameson's blowing people, and I'm moving chairs. <laughs> I'm just literally just moving chairs. And then um, I just left about 15 minutes after. Just Irish exit. Well, it's not an Irish exit if no one cares. <laughs> no one gives a shit that you're leaving. Wasted a blue chew. Yeah. No, well, I didn't because I didn't take it. So <laughs> it. It's unwrapped. It's still in my car. Uh, and then I just went to get Taco Bell. Hell yeah. And jerked off. <laughs> Thrice. <laughs> burritos, man. Comedy's weird. Uh, so... Uh, Ken Miller gets introduced as uh, Steve Harvey's favorite comedian. So now, are you really? gonna, yeah, are you going to get introduced as Jenna Jameson's favorite comedian? Can I? Do I have to get permission from her? Nope. 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 <laughs> okay, well, I'll just say that. That's your new introduction, dude. That's a pretty good fucking intro. Yeah, yeah. it is. Steve Harvey said that. Well, uh, and so it, he was in a contest. And there's two thousand comics in the contest, and Steve Harvey specifically chose him. To, mm. to win the contest. Yeah, because he, he didn't win the voting, but Steve Harvey picked him specifically wow. over the guy who won the voting. Oh, uh, so cool. Steve Harvey was like, this guy won the voting, but I like Ken Miller. He's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Deserves it. It was yeah. a... He's a... <laughs> I, so tell me your experience, because I've, I've worked with Ken before. What was it like for you? Y- you know what was funny? Like, of all of the headliners that we've met, mm-hmm. he, w- he was the one that, to me, just treated me like I was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like everybody else hasn't, yeah. but it's more been like, hey, how you doing? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, not like really wanting to engage with me. Yeah. Ken was like right there, like, hey man, how you doing? What you mm-hmm. been doing? How long you been doing this? Yeah. Fucking joking with people around me and including me in his yeah. jokes, you know, like <laughs> shit like that. Like, so for me, it was just, I like, I was like, damn, this guy is like, he really knows how to how to uh, treat uh, even a new guy like like they belong, you mm-hmm. know. And that was that was a nice thing because yeah. 
I think a lot of headlining guys that we've come across so far, like I said, like we meet them in the podcast, you know, situation, not in the comedy situation. Yeah. So they're they come in, they they do the podcast, and then they're kind of like, all right, man. And and to be fair, all of them have like been nice to me on social media and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I'm I'm grateful for that. But yeah. you know, it was like Ken was like very embracing, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I was I I really enjoyed being around him in general. He's he is a monster on stage, but he is so funny off stage too. Like he is, he's all he's he he's so charismatic and, yeah. and just got a lot, a big personality. He's on at all times. On at all times, but but it works for him really well. Yeah, you know, like some people, you're like, God, this is annoying. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the guy mm-hmm. won't. He, I I want to know what this guy's like. I just feel like that's Ken. I feel yeah. like he just. That's why he was so good at comedy, I bet, mm-hmm. because this was him even before he was a comic, yeah. you know? And and then that just probably gave him more green lights for his personality to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And, uh, and he, like I said, he manages it well, you mm-hmm. know? He's he's a good guy to, to clown around with. So, and the way that the audience was yeah. with him, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, the dude had straight-up groupies. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen a comic... That I mean, he's not on my level, but you know, like that is like within. That's not famous. Yeah, that's not famous exactly. But in our in still in our area, I never seen that. You know what I mean? Like he had straight up people that were grouping around him. You know, the closest (laughs) I I saw that was uh, when I did Judge Show and JP was on it, and he had like people that were like YouTube followers that like they literally lined up to meet him after the show you know mm-hmm. what i mean but it was like three people or four yeah. people you know what i mean and i cannot feel like half the audience was there to see him yeah. they bought tickets specifically because he was there so they could go meet and greet with him afterwards yeah. you know oh yeah ken is ken is big yeah ken is ken has a following but i it's it was a fun experience for me because again i'm just now featuring regularly and starting to headline so it was my first time, like, really being able to just bring somebody on the road with me. And I figured they were going to give Brian a guest spot, but I didn't say anything because I didn't want to, like, yeah. you know, get you excited if, I, yeah, you know, I, if it I wasn't going to happen. I wasn't expecting it either. And I got the pleasure of watching Michelle come up to Brian and be like, hey, so you want to do, like, five minutes? And knowing, like... And Michelle Keith? Yeah. Oh, and cool. You have to do it. Otherwise, I'm going to call you a pussy for the rest yeah, of I'll your never, life. I'll never not, Jimmy knows. I'll yeah. never not do stage time. So, oh, yeah. You can't say no. So to watch it go from, oh, I'm hanging out, you know, meeting people and whatever, to like, oh, I shit, I got to go on. I, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And yeah, it was... Uh, it was I, I wish it went better for me. Yeah. That was the thing. Like, it, yeah. it didn't... It wasn't the best show for me. How know? big was the but, crowd? It's about 80 people. Yeah. That's nice. Oh. Something like that. Yeah, it was a good yeah. crowd. Did you have they, jeans on? Yep, I, I came prepared. <laughs> yeah. I, you, I learned early on at that Gregory show with Rudy that you don't come prepared. No, yeah. I'm never. I never. If I, I don't care if, if I you're go at a see, comedy show. Yeah. If I go see Tom Segura, I'm going <laughs> in shoes, case, yeah. jeans. I don't care. I'm not getting up. But at the same time, just I'm gonna in be, case, I'm going to yeah. be prepared. So yeah. I, I, I always, and I also like kind of pre-wrote a set too, just in case. Yeah. But again, like, I and that's why I didn't even say anything to you beforehand. I yeah. was just like, hey, if something happens, it happens. Yeah. Like I said, with the uh, opportunity given with Ken Miller there and stuff yeah. like that, I wish I would have grasped it a little tighter. Yeah. It, it was uh, yeah, but you're you're still very new. Yeah, well, mean, but in his defense, everybody before me had a hard set. It yeah, wasn't like right. it was just you know. Yeah, but I j- I'm just saying like don't be hard on yourself. Oh no, sure. no, I'm, sure. not, I'm not hard. I'm not hard on like the. <sighs> 
the the times where I'm hardest on myself are like the times where I'm I have an opportunity and it, I don't feel like I seized it properly. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Like, well, that wasn't a huge opportunity. No, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> and you blew it. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. I, no. But it, there, even if I killed that show, it would it wouldn't have meant anything. Right, right. Like outside of like me just going all right. I, like Chris, Chris yeah. gave me an opportunity and I I, I kicked it. Yeah. I kicked his ass. Yeah. But I know Chris has seen me do well enough. Yeah, enough times where he's we like, know oh, you're funny. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. So like it, that's what it, it takes. Is like all right. I'm comfortable not doing well in front of people if they know I'm funny. Yeah. It's when that I, they, it's people that don't know me and then I go up and I, I have like a middling set or like a shitty set yeah. that then I go fuck. Now that's their that's their first taste of of me. Yeah. It's like this bombing <laughs> guy. You know? right. like I, I don't know. I think you hit a nail on the head. It's like comedians, there's a large portion of us that are almost like women when they get dressed, you know? Like, oh, women dress for women. They, yeah. they don't dress for other people. Like, as comedians, yeah. we're like, dang, I want to be funny for my comic friends. Or, yeah. or, you know, or people that have never seen me as comics that are on the come up. Yeah, know? at this level. Because, I mean, ultimately, we all want to be funny for the audience. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're, we're at a level where we're trying to get booked by other people that are at our same level or just a little above us. So, yeah. uh that's why, like, but Michelle's a good one to have done yeah. well in front of because she yeah. books like three shows, you know. Mm-hmm. So like that was another thing. Like I was like, oh, yeah. shit, it wasn't just Ken Miller. I was yeah. like, shit. But I'm doing a show with her Wednesday, and I'm hoping I'll have a better. Set, yeah. So. But no, yeah. because the cool thing about the podcast and why I was excited to bring you was because it wasn't just the show. We then sat and had like an hour and twenty minute long conversation with Ken and Michelle. So now when you run into her at Lizette's. Yeah. Now this is like, this is somebody you know. Now. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's exactly. a, you know, it's a so, connection. Yeah, and that, that jumps you forward yeah. so quickly to be, having the opportunity to actually build those relationships. Because yeah. if you think about it, if, uh, you know, if, if, how long would it take just showing up and going to open mics for you to accumulate an hour and a half of sitting directly next to face-to-face conversation with Ken Miller. It might take you years mm-hmm. to develop that same amount of time. time to talk to people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's why it's, I mean, it's also good for me. I mean, I've, I've actually, at this point, I've gotten a couple things from doing this podcast just yeah. because, you know, you're not on people's minds all the time. People are living their own life. Yeah. So if somebody comes and I sit down with them and we have this whole conversation, yeah, it's a very smooth transition to... Hey, by the way, yeah, you know what do you got going on in the next, you know, however many weeks? Yeah, well, that's my hopes with all this. Is like, uh, you know, uh, once I, once I get better and better and better, I'll start seeing them in the circuit, mm-hmm. and then they then then they'll go, hey, I remember this kid like from yeah. then. Instead of having a five minute interaction at an open mic, I do have an hour and a half that yeah. I spent with them, and it's it's gonna be harder for them to forget that yeah. hour and a half yeah. than it is a five minute interaction at an open. Yeah. Mic. So that's that's where I, where I look at it. like okay, well this is. This is gonna give me future opportunities where, like, I'm I'm not like hitting up Devin Seabold and being like, "Hey, yeah. can I get a guest spot?" Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm not yeah. ready for that shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so. Ken's never gonna forget the. Uh, yeah, I, I I suck dick to get on this stage. Yeah, I know. Said, you, yeah, you I, was, I, was, I was outside standing next to him when he said it. He went, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. man, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> get uh, stage time at all costs. Right? But that's like. Uh, the biggest thing is book people that book want want to like you. Yeah. It's like even if no. there's people that are funny that are just not enjoyable to be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they won't get booked because then you you have to hang out with them. Yeah, <laughs> and you don't want to see them. You know, yeah. so it's like 
Well, that's where I know I'm gonna thrive in general. Like I'm, I'm pretty yeah. good in in most situations, mm-hmm. like uh, like socially, you know. Mm-hmm. My dad was a salesman, so I, I grew up with the gift of gab, you know. And, and so. like um, the three of you are fun to hang out with, yeah. so I want mm-hmm. you know it's fun to have you on shows. Yeah, yeah. it's like you know it's like uh, that's a big thing. And then at this level, it's like we all understand, or at least most people understand, you know, shows. A lot of shows are like, yeah, you need to be funny, and we think you're funny, or someone thinks you're funny, so that's why you're on. But the stakes are not very high, right? No. And you just you and people. Most people know you're trying to get better. You're no. trying to get stage time. And if you like the person, or if you're nice to people, they'll realize, okay, this person's working really hard. That's another thing that that is huge. Is if people see you working really hard, that people see you at those open mics. If people like that's how I got the first um, uh, spot on Milk District is. Jake saw me at a lot of open mics. He goes, damn, mm-hmm. coming out on Sunday. Austin's <laughs> from Melbourne. Hey, yeah. do you want to do Milk District next Thursday? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, that's why, because I ate shit in front of every booker in Orlando. They mm-hmm. saw me eating shit. Where? But they, like, I ate shit at... Uh, Bull and Bush. Oh, okay. Many a time. Yeah. Other That's bar where... at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. other bar? Yeah, yeah. it should. Yeah. Which is coming back. Tits yeah. Tonight. Cool. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Other, yeah, Ken Miller hosts another bar. Open tonight. mic? Tonight, open mic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, why am I not there? Starting at 830. Uh, because we're... we have a podcast. Oh. We're going to go on the 20th, I think, though. <laughs> Oh shit, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, we can carpool up there. Yeah, if you want to go, was... if you want to go, man. Oh, yeah, let me see. Yeah. Maybe not the 20th, because I have fam in town. Okay. But mm. the next time. Yeah. But uh yeah, no, it's it's uh it's it's all a process. And that hangout portion actually gets more important the higher you go. Yeah. Because, you know, this is 5 minutes like a 5 minute set and you're there at the venue with the person for maybe 2 hours max, mm-hmm. right? Versus I've done shows like when, like I've done shows where I went to Pensacola, mm-hmm. where I went once with Duncan and once with Dean Napolitano. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, well when I went with Duncan we drove, we drove, I drove, and Dean we drove separately. But again, we're staying in the same house, mm-hmm. so when I went with Duncan, it's a seven-hour drive there. Mm-hmm. You're staying mm-hmm. in the same house for I think it was two or three days, and then seven-hour drive home. Mm. If you hate the person, yeah, you know what I mean. That's yeah. it sucks. Yeah. You know, I did the, the that same run with Dean Napolitano where we didn't drive together, but again, we're in the same house, so we perform together, and we're in the same house during the day. So I mean, to be able to go with somebody that you're cool with, yeah, it would have been torture if I didn't like yeah. those guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? It would, yeah, it would, it like would suck. Well, you know, speaking of which, like we, you've said it a few times, like sometimes you just get gigs just being able to drive somebody. Yep. Uh, I got booked Ooh, on. I, yeah. I got booked on a show in Port Orange on Thursdays. Just, yep. I'm pretty sure just because uh, Eugene needs a ride. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Like, right. So he hit me up and was like, "Can, can you give me a ride and yeah. I give you a guest spot?" I was yeah. Like, yep. yep. <laughs> so, I'll tell you one of the things I believe in is yeah. not spilling stuff. There you Is a newer comic is is being a newer comic is um, 
bringing a work ethic mm-hmm. to an event, like I think Jimmy can attest, like when he does Moon Room, like I'll move chairs, I'll move tape. Like, hey, I'm not mm-hmm. just here for me. I'm grateful that you brought me here, yeah. and I want to make people laugh, but I also want to mm-hmm. be an asset to those that bring me on. And, and I yeah. think that's just a, a lower-level work ethic, that a dues paying of comedians on the come-up. Yeah. In my opinion, that we should have that. Absolutely. Too. I've... I've... I've worked security at Gregory's, not unofficially. Like we've had, <laughs> we've had, uh, we've had. Guy, I think that's happened now. I want to say that's happened to me three times now at Gregory's, where somebody will get like shit faced, and they're asked to leave, and then they don't just politely leave. <laughs> that happens because, a lot there. <laughs> because, um, well, I think because there's no like security type people there, you know, and. Um, um, the lady that runs it, I mean, Utah, she's just, she's just a sweet, nice lady. So if this, you know, this petite woman comes up to some drunk guy and says, you have to leave, a lot of times they don't respect it. So it becomes like a thing. And there have been a couple times where I'm like, I guess I got to go be the big black guy in the room and like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and help get this guy out of here. Yeah. Uh, Eric diffused the situation at. Pineapples. Yep. You put up the wall. You, you crowd Jimmy, and then I, I played I mean, good I cop w- with the people. I wasn't going to, like, touch them at all. It was him touching you that I was <laughs> You were going to touch him, because he, he had already touched you, <laughs> and I could feel from your energy that if he put his hands on you a second time, that whole, it would have just been people on the floor. Yeah. Everybody, it would have just been a brawl. So it's That's good why... that you did that. <laughs> that. That all three of you did that because, yeah, I was. Uh, they're like my worst enemy. People that disrupt shows. It's just the worst type of people. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll keep this one. I'm so upset. That's why I ushered him into the uh, elevator. I'm like, yeah. let me get him in the elevator. I'm like, hey guys, let, let's talk. Let me. And, uh, I'm like, I'll get him downstairs and I'll have a nice conversation with him. Yeah. Well, we just needed to create distance. Yeah, that's, no, that's exactly. It. Yeah. And they all yeah. left bad reviews on the pineapples. I went and I read those Google. when you told me that, and it was absurd the level of Karenness to those oh uh, reviews, and Terrible. they were literally. Way off base. Yeah. Well, someone said in a review is we w- we stumbled into the comedy show, and we weren't allowed to talk. Like, like no shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's weird that you'll find is there are, which I didn't realize this until I started doing stand up. Uh-huh. There are people who literally don't go anywhere, so they don't. They don't know how to behave at a live show. Like and I politely told them how to behave. Yeah, no, no, yeah, you're right. But like three times. But a lot yeah. of people see it as you know how you go to a bar and the bar has a band, and the, when you go to a bar, that band is playing. It's not there. Nobody gives a shit about the band. The band's just background noise yeah. is happening, yeah. and people are having conversations, whatever. A lot of people literally view a comedy show as the same thing. Yeah. We're in a bar. We're here to talk. There's a comic up there. Some loser just spewing nonsense. If I want to pay attention, I can pay attention. And if I want to talk and not give a shit about this guy, I can talk and not give a shit about this guy. There are are a significant number of people out there that legitimately do see it that way. Because they haven't... I really think that... Here's my theory. I think that it's... It's people in small towns with a certain amount of money 
that don't ever leave the small town. So they're like a big fish in a small pond. Mm -hmm. So they're in that environment and they think they're so important because, you know, I own a construction company and, you know... I'm spending all... Because they, they always do this. As much money as I'm spending, I should be able to talk. They always pull that shit. They always do. Well, here's what happened in this instant. Because yeah. I went up to the guy, mm-hmm. and they, they were just loudly talking. Like, yelling. Yeah, no, I was standing right there. They oh, were having yeah. a full-blown... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full like blown, you would in loud, a biker bar. Just a loud conversation. Wow, Anthony over. Papelli was... Having, it was yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So I said, hey... I might have talked about this before, but I said, hey, um, we have to be quiet because there's audience members right next to you here that are trying to pay attention to the show. So, like, I explained that looking in his eyes, and I saw him understand it. I saw him being like, oh, and then he looked at the audience. He he comprehended everything. Mm -hmm. He comprehended, oh, shit, I'm at a show. Oh, shit, there are people that right next to me, looking up at the stage, trying to pay attention to the show. He got all that in. Mm-hmm. He, but then he had to weigh, oh, should I stop talking? Because that's the right thing to do. He had that here. Mm-hmm. And then he had, somebody's telling me what to do, and I don't like that on the other side. Yeah. And then was he that was, his wife? <laughs> that was him. Well, yeah. And then, so he had to decide... And there was people around, his friends were around him, and he mm-hmm. decided to go with, somebody's telling me what to do, and I don't like that. Yeah. And he acted on that. Because there's, there's also the element of, these people are, it, is, it really is, it usually is... Affluent white people? <laughs> yeah, but at a, right in their 50s. Like, yeah. right yeah. in their 50s. Who just, I sh- if I'm spending money, I should be able to do whatever the fuck I want. I think it comes and, in all ages, because... I feel like most people, uh, the best audience members are people in their fifties. No, yes, yeah. that get it, they but get the it, yeah. but the the ones that there's a, there's like a special Venn diagram. Oh, right, right. Where gotcha. it's like not all worst, I n- gotcha, not yeah. all, not all of the worst audience members are fifty year old white people, but the ones that are <laughs> are going to yeah, be fifty yeah, year old yeah. white people. And kids uh, and younger kids can be too, but yeah, they. But then not you can kind of yell at. You can Because the thing at. is, like, a 50-year-old white person is not going to tolerate being yelled at by a Because the other thing is you, well, you are young, but you also look young. So a part of what's happening is this grown man is not going to take shit from some fucking, member. yeah, exactly, <laughs> in this bar in front of his wife telling him that he needs to be quiet. Because what ended up happening was... They got to a point where they were being loud on purpose. Now it wasn't even it wasn't even a matter of that's we don't I, know. That's why I followed them. Fuck this kid. We're gonna talk louder and louder and louder. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> because when I was being talked to in the office by the um, the GM, mm-hmm. he was like he showed me the video mm-hmm. and he goes they were le- he was like they were leaving and you followed them to the elevator and I said I followed yeah, sure. them to the elevator because they were even louder than they were. In the showroom, yeah. and they were being loud on purpose. Yeah. And yes, I sh- I could have, uh, <laughs> could have, should have, I could have just let them be loud and yeah, because when the elevator. But in my up, head, it was like Anthony's up there, uh, yeah. and they're causing a scene, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell them to be quiet again. Yeah. And so that's what I, it was so funny. I was like, 
guys, you need to be quiet in here. Are you kidding? Yeah. Are you yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not stupid. Get the fuck on the elevator. But so he, this actually gets to an interesting point of uh, that happens in stand-up that I think is important for every comic to know. It is, because by, by the time we got back there, it was the women in the group yeah. that were being loud on purpose. Because yeah. they were now throwing a tantrum, right? And now it creates this weird dynamic where because they're throwing a tantrum, now the husband's got to get in your face because you can't correct his wife. So it creates this whole... Is that Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Jimmy getting smacked. (laughs) Keep my wife's name. (laughs) So one of the the things that's weird at shows is correcting a male heckler is way easier than correcting a female heckler. Mm Mm-hmm. It is very, you have to be very careful how you talk to a woman heckler and the timing and the tone. You don't just yell cunt at her a whole (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that I actually learned from Patrice O'Neill, Patrice O'Neill did this this whole thing where he was talking about it and I started using a similar strategy. You always address the man that she's with and make it his problem. Make it a thing where it's like... You're going to let your wife do that? Exactly. It's yeah. like, you're going to just sit there and let your wife just Ruin be a show. complete asshole to everybody? <laughs> yeah. Because now, you can talk to him however you want to. And you're still addressing her without directly addressing her. Because especially like... So, me, I'm a big black dude. You're yeah, you a creepy looking white guy. Thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> you're a big muscle bound white guy. I'm and a handsome white you're, guy. Uh, but you have like... But you have this Julie. like... Like a, a cute yells, boyishness where you might be able to get away with it because you're also very, like, silly and lighthearted on stage. You're like an adult South Park character. <laughs> <laughs> like Timmy. Timmy. Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. Yeah. Yeah. Timmy's Timmy. a child. That's what I'm I mean, like but as an adult. Oh. And less crippled. <laughs> less crippled. Tim. Just a little. <laughs> Tim, like, if his legs... Stem cell research, if Tim? His, you know, if his yeah. legs crippled, went to his brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so for anyone that's... No, so... I'm on stage as a big black guy. I can't, this like middle-aged white woman, I can't just start yelling at her. It's just not gonna, it's not gonna work. So the thing that I came up with, and it's like, again, like a modified version of what Patrice O'Neill does, is like, I'll, and and that's the other thing. I have, I have a lot of, like I'm good at crowd work, Mm -hmm. but I have a lot of prepared stuff in my back pocket to where it's like, all right, this scenario is gonna, this will work in this scenario. Mm -hmm. And every time, so if you if you work with me quite a bit, you'll start to notice that's the same crowd work from last time. Well, that's fascinating because you're getting into the psychology of it. Yeah. Like I am not usurp. I am directing my conversation to the male. That way, mm-hmm. he can't get upset that I'm talking to his wife a certain. Well, also yeah. if you do that the right way, then he starts feeling embarrassment yeah. for what Ex- his wife's exactly. doing, and he's the he's the, it's his the response- referee yeah. trying to exactly. stop. Exactly. Well, it was really neat uh, Thursday at Muggsy's. It was the first time that uh, Alex put together an open mic mm-hmm. at Muggsy's. And it really came full circle for me because the um, the patrons that came in, it was their favorite bar. It's their Thursday. They're there to have drinks and unwind. It just so happened to be that there was a comedy show yeah. at their bar, <laughs> yeah. and they had no idea. So we had to wrangle them in. And it was a very, very loud crowd. Like yeah. you said, they, it was like, oh, they treated us like musicians. They just yeah. wanted to get louder and louder. And uh, Preach Carter was hosting, and he was doing a good job. And Preach is such a nice guy. And I think it was right before Eugene Singleton went up. I was like, preach, 
let me be the bad cop. Let me get up there and quiet this bar down. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, you shut them the fuck up for, like, Eugene and Duncan's set. Because they went right one one after another, yeah. and they shut up for, like, those two. Yeah. And then even when it came back, it never came back as strong as it was. It was like, because yeah. it was like your dude. I, I literally had a... a full set that I was going to do that mm-hmm. was like all new shit mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be screaming it into a microphone yeah. so I just did bits that I that I was comfortable with that I could do loudly you know what I mean yeah. so that the people could actually hear me and our, the PA was good it wasn't yeah. like it was like a shit PA or anything yeah. those people were just it, they were like we're determined to have conversations louder than the really the, yeah than the oh yeah people get like that yeah it was loud but man. it reminded me of that day with you where I was like where I stumbled into an amateur comedy show at the bar I go to yeah so I remember full circle so it did really <laughs> did so I'm like okay I was that patron at one time yeah. how mm-hmm. do I uh, balance the two with um, the understanding Eric, of both you know? Eric went up there and he goes hey everybody he's like he loudly said hey everybody got everybody's attention and he goes if you <laughs> Whoever can be the quietest for the next comic, I will buy a shot. Yeah, I'm like, we're gonna do bar games. Everybody yeah. like bar games? Yeah, <laughs> That's pretty good. yeah, yeah. And and yeah. it it did shut people up for the most part. Yeah. Like there was still some people that were like, "Fuck you," you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, it worked. But there was I remember Steagles, and this is where I started to learn different like tactics. Steagles had it was the weirdest thing. They had, had a U-shaped bar. And the bartender's oh, in the, the worst. middle, right? U-shaped bar. And then the stage terrible. is off to the side, mm. so everyone's back is to the stage. People are people couldn't that, give that's a shit how less. It is mm. at, uh, that's what Muggsy's is. Oh here. no, U-shaped at Muggsy. Yeah, Muggsy's? but it's in the back yeah. of the bar. It's so in the like, back the of the room. Stage is in the front of the room, and Muggsy's bar is a oh, U-shaped no. bar in the back, in the back of, the room. of the room. And yeah. so, uh, like, the people that are sitting at the bar. Like on this side, are all have their back face facing. That's facing no him. good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but okay. So, um, has there ever been an open mic at Muggsy's? Yeah, that was done. Yeah, that was done. Yeah. And how yeah. was that? I never did it, that one. It wasn't. The thing is, is it, there just wasn't that many people there. Um, well, that's better than yeah. a lot of people. Well, so so what I did, what I learned at Steagles was I went up there one night and just watched comic after comic after comic perform to everyone's back. And I was like, all right, let me get the microphone. And how far is this microphone cord? Oh, yeah. And you walk out as close to them as I physically could. And I started roasting individual people at the bar. Because what happens when you do that is you 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 can't ignore it. You know, it's one of those things where, oh, he's talking about somebody in the room. Everyone stops and looks. And if you can say something funny in that 20 seconds... They'll at least, all right, this guy is something. Yeah. And then you got to hold them from there. You know, like I've done. That's the key. Because, yeah. like, if not, then now you're a then guy. Then they go back. Well, yeah, yeah. And you're a guy that just annoyed someone. Like, yeah. we were being, po- we were politely ignoring you and talking <laughs> to ourselves. And but now I mean, we have annoying but the talking, person. But the talking, like, isn't even polite ignoring. It's like, all right, I, I have to do something. To get to just break the the like you know how sometimes there's just a hum of noise and if you can break through it everybody just psychologically they just stop yeah. and at least give you a second to go all right what was that yeah which is probably what happened when you went up there because now there's this big guy on stage saying something loudly booming into the microphone yeah and everybody goes whoa, whoa, whoa what was that yeah I've done shows where I had a wireless mic and I have literally went to the U shaped bar and sat 
in the stool oh my next God. to somebody amongst everyone and did my entire show sitting at the bar. I did 25 minutes one night sitting at the bar with the people at the bar and ended up killing because you now I'm sitting amongst you. You yeah. can't ignore me. Well, that's what Cam was doing that night at Copper Rocket that you and I went, Jimmy. Yeah, and sometimes that works. Yeah. And uh, that's how Copper Rocket is mm-hmm. every day. I did every Copper time. Rocket once and said, fuck Copper Rocket after yeah. that It's night. mostly <laughs> just to hang out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like you kind of like, it's like, it's like you go into like, you're at like probation you, and the, like the, uh, this going on, doing your set is like having to pee into a cup. Yeah. But that's, I mean, uh, hopefully what will happen with Muggsies is, um, more and more people come for the open mic. Yeah. And then, okay, now if people come to Muggsies on Thursday, they know they're coming to an open mic. Well, but I, I was number nine, and when I started, it was mostly just comics at the tables. And by the time I went up, the tables were totally full. Bam. So it was, they, there was people there yeah. definitely like, all right, we're going to watch. They were to, eating yeah. there. They were, yeah. I mean, they were, oh, good. They were focused. And so I, that's what I'm saying. I think it will. You know, people just adjust to Thursday at Muggsy's is open mic night. And I could see the layout of the venue actually being conducive to a good mic night there because Mm -hmm. with the bar being in the back, that Mm -hmm. may isolate some of that bar and blender noise, especially if you've got a crowd that knows they're there for a comedy show. It actually could be a conducive, uh, you know, structural layout for it. Yeah, and And it doesn't have to be perfect. And what makes downtown Melbourne, I think downtown Melbourne needs to have two more mics because the the thing about downtown Melbourne and what I think makes Muggsy so cool is the last couple times I did Muggsy's when it was Duncan's room if you're on stage doing well people walking by Mm -hmm. like stop and they kind of look and it like multiple walk-ins happen yeah I saw like that night while the show's going on last time when I did Muggsy's there was this um, it was this black guy and this Filipino woman. Oh boy! And they were walking down the sidewalk past Muggsy's, and I made some joke about like you know how devastated is your father? Like you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like you come all the way to America and you pick worst case scenario, and like they started laughing and came inside, and we held them in there for a little while, and then right. they sat for a while and laughed Tied and whatever, up. and then yeah. they walked out. Well, now that could have gone horribly wrong if I just insulted these people yeah. when they're walking down the street. Well, but, well you um, have that you have that benefit of you're a big black guy. Yeah, it's people, like no one's gonna attack you. Yeah. No, I don't mean for me. I just mean like no, you know, no. for the show. No, yeah, yeah. Well, allegedly they're getting another mic going downtown the same night, like yeah. right Sweet. after that. That would be perfect. So you go yeah, hit yeah. that one and then walk literally one block over, and there's yeah. another bar where their mic starting at eight thirty. Mm-hmm. So Thursday awesome. nights in downtown Melbourne might yeah. be. Like, one Robinson. thing that I think our, our scene needs, and I don't know how we organize to put this together, mm-hmm. um, I don't think any of you guys have, have... Jim, have you worked with Alex Soto yet? No. Alex Soto does these shows in the villages, which are, again, really cool, but his thing is guerrilla marketing, uh-huh. is like his thing. So he has he has this little Nissan pickup truck that he got a, bought a topper for and mounted TVs in the topper and then has like a like a battery hookup in the back to power the TVs and it the TVs just play like the flyers plus I think like clips from the comics that are going to be on the Jesus. show That's and cool. he pulled like early in the day 
when there is no traffic, mm-hmm. he pulls up and parks that van, that pickup truck, mm-hmm. right in front of the venue, sets, turns it on, and then leaves for the... That thing is just parked out in front of the venue the entire day. Wow. And then when he comes in later on that night for the show, yeah. he has one of those inflatable men mm-hmm. that sits in front of the venue and he plugs that shit in and there's a giant inflatable dragon in front of the venue. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and funny. it's like, I've seen him pack out shows in the middle of nowhere just because you can't miss it. Yeah. Because there's the freaking TVs in the bed of the truck and then the truck is actually wrapped. So the, so imagine like a pickup truck that's wrapped in like, it's like, it's like it has a purple wrap with yellow letters saying like comedy show on the side of it with a TV screen in the bed with video of who's performing parked in front of the venue with a fucking inflatable dragon. Like, you can't freaking miss it. And I think downtown Melbourne, if we had... It wouldn't need to be that dramatic. But in downtown Melbourne, if you just had an A-frame sign out front that said, stand-up comedy, Thursdays, whatever, right on the sidewalk. Downtown Melbourne is the only place in this area that gets actual foot traffic. Yeah. Where there's just people walking up and down the street. So, I mean, I think... In fact, if almost it's if, a good place to do that kind yeah. of stuff because yeah. uh, it's the only just place even have. flyers because yeah. like we did sleuth sleuth mm-hmm. sleuth yeah yeah in uh, Orlando yeah and we did flyers before the show mm-hmm. and um, w- the host uh, said raise your hand if you're here because of a flyer and a bunch of people raised their hand mm-hmm. which means like th- they're effective yeah, yeah. and it like works. why not. So, like, I need to go back to Flyers. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like downtown Orlando. It's good for foot traffic. It's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Between 6 and 9 o'clock mm-hmm. is good before it gets all douchey yeah. with uh, people. Bar people. Yeah. If yeah. it's Well, Thursday should be okay. But, um, yeah, it's good. And that would be great if there was two mics on a Thursday night. because yeah. those. Oh, you mean downtown Melbourne. What did I say? Downtown Orlando. Orlando. Ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but still, yeah, Melbourne, downtown yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Marketing's huge. And I, I, what I see is I feel like the mar- uh, comedy scene doesn't really get marketed enough. You know, like I'm, oh. I'm fascinated by marketing from the ground up, you know, from mm-hmm. the comedian to the, the venue. And you mm-hmm. know, I just feel like a lot of times it's a, it's a missing aspect, well, you know? One thing that we tried to do, mm-hmm. and actually good to have a conversation with you two, because yeah. you guys both know about marketing. Yeah. Um, is the individual comics will make flyers and stuff to market their individual room. We created the Space Coast Comedy Scene page to market the actual comedy community, mm-hmm. right? Provide comedy scene. Yeah, well, there's, yeah, there's, well, so originally there was the Space Coast Comedy Scene. And, and my, but the funny thing is, you're, my, living, you're living in the past. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> But but Space Coast Comedy still has more followers than the Far Comedy. Way more followers. So I yeah, don't but know. It's more active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, true. Yeah, true. Um, I but, think one has to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested yeah. to hear where you're going with. Sorry. Well, with this. no, no, no. But but what Brian did, does this genius is he makes a flyer that has all it just has a calendar with all of the shows on it, and I think what comics have to realize is the comedy audience doesn't give a shit if it's Jimmy's show or Brian's show or Chris's show or Eric's show. Mm-hmm. They just want to come to a good comedy show. Well, so I, if they have a... yeah, I started doing that because 
when I was posting on Reddit, when I was posting about individual shows, mm-hmm. they were like, you're clogging the yeah, feed yeah. with yeah. different shows throughout the week. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay, well, let me make a f- uh, something that just has everything and then yeah. <clears throat> link it back to yeah. our comedy mm-hmm. scene. So yeah. that way, when they want, if they want, they can see who's on what show and who's headlining yeah. and that kind of stuff. Because like some of the comments I was getting when I was posting the, f- the weekly flyers was mm-hmm. like, well, you're not even going to put who's on each show? Like, yeah. no. <laughs> like, yeah. they don't, they've asked us to, the moderators have asked us to stop doing that, you know? Yeah. So now it's going to be, let's just post everything for the yeah. entire week. And and so, and then we just do that across everything now. Yeah. So. Chris, let me ask you your thoughts on this, because mm-hmm. this is one of the things I struggle with. In all aspects of my life, I don't market myself. Mm-hmm. I, I just, it's not me. Yeah. With comedy... I do market myself, and I feel douchey about it, but uh, I'll back this up. Like, let's say when I do um, Madcaps, Adam Lowry's Mm -hmm. room up in uh, New Smyrna, Mm -hmm. I'll create a flyer, and he sends out, like, a template, and I'll put a little photo on there, and I'll I'll run ads for New Smyrna, and I'll hype it up with my photo, Mm -hmm. and I feel so douchey about that, but I want Adam or Jimmy, I do it for Moon Room, too, when I'm on it. I want people to be like, oh, I want to go see Eric. And I always put featuring other awesome comics. But yeah. I'm a product, and I want uh, bookers and venues to know that when they book Eric Erlacher, the product, he's going to do the legwork and promote, and he's going to do his part to bring people in. That mm-hmm. way, I'm also of value to the venue. And, but I feel douchey doing it, and I, I'm sure my comic buddy is like, oh, look at this guy marketing himself. I, I, Listen. What's your thoughts? Fuck all other comics. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Yes. Everybody, <laughs> who you need to be concerned about, right? And, and it's it's a weird balance, right? Because the vast majority of your opportunities are going to come from other comics. You know, you want to be a guy that other comics like so that you can, again, the hangout and all that other thing. However, most mo- the vast majority of the people, 90% of the people doing comedy are never going to be successful at it, right? Mm-hmm. Who you need to be concerned about is the audience and the venue manager owner right Right. so if you do madcaps right one comic let's say doesn't want to promote themselves so they don't share the flyer they don't make announcements they don't whatever adam as an example the owner of madcaps is like oh when i book this guy i'm doing all this work myself i'm all alone in giving a shit about this being a good show and us having a turnout Mm mm-hmm if they book you and you're using the flyer and you're marketing it as well, he's like, oh, when I book this guy, he gives a shit and I have a partner in making this a positive thing, right? Mm-hmm. You are going to get booked way more than the comic that doesn't bother to share it, that just shows up and does whatever. Why are you pointing at me? No, no, I'm not. I'm, no, oh. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> um, so, A, that's really important. I'll tell you another thing. When, when I first started... And I have, to, I have to do more, but I had T-shirts made with my. I had my signature turned into like a logo, oh, yeah, yeah. and I had the T-shirts with my logo on them while I was on stage. I remember those. Yeah, and people gave me shit about it. Yeah, because it was like, dude, you've been doing comedy for a year, and you got your own logo, yeah. and you're doing T-shirts, and da da da. da. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a thing for people to remember, right? Um, I'm gonna do. I haven't done it. My my thing was my intention was to go from the logo to actually my Instagram handle. Mm. So just on my chest, it'll just say at whatever because I'm gonna I'm now that I'm putting videos online, 
I want there to be my handle to be in multiple play because I'm just it's just a numbers game of trying yeah. to get people to follow you. Yeah. You know. Oh um, shit! You do have a video on on there now. Yeah. I liked and. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> I yeah. opened Instagram and I saw this. Oh oh wait! Shit! Let me see that. Are you you, do, see you that? doing another one? Doing another one. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. That's what's up. And that is. Oh yeah, with Chris. Yeah. yeah yeah. Okay, it's on my counter. Thank God. Okay, good. You look yeah. good. Can I see it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll probably see it like two <laughs> times before then, but. But uh, yeah. So I mean, there's so many different ways, and and so we've had again people like Devin and. Um, if you want to other people by, come in. Set, you can. It's for this Friday. It's Friday. Yeah. I'm trying to think about my shift. Oh, what's today? Today's Monday. I'm on shift. Uh, <laughs> every time. That's all right. <laughs> I appreciate the invite. But also, Definitely. you have people like Devin that will come in and say, hey, you know, I'm on the internet. I'm starting to make videos and stuff. And everybody will be like, oh, look at this asshole doing these corny videos, blah, blah, blah. And then years later, those people that were complaining about him doing it are nowhere, yeah. and he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year off his YouTube channel. So one of the things that's very important, um, and I've had this conversation, we've had this conversation before, where you also got to remember a lot of the comics, and I say this with love, okay. um, are very unsuccessful people in their every other aspect of their life. Oh, boy. So they don't... <laughs> <laughs> so they don't... They don't come to this with a mentality of being success like success is all kind of rooted in the same thing it's like work ethic mm -hmm. consistency and regardless of whatever you're doing mm -hmm. so a lot of times when you come across these comics that have nothing going for themselves but they are funny all the same failure energy that they use in every other aspect of their life they bring to comedy true yeah. So they see somebody like you taking the initiative to make the flyer and then sharing the flyer and running some ads. Oh, that's a douchey thing. Well, it's that thinking why they have nothing in their lives anyway. So yeah. it's very, it's a balance of you having the self-confidence to know some of these people aren't going to like this shit. But who the hell are they? Yeah, that's, you know? a, that's a good point. I tell you one of the neat things that I'm seeing, Brian can attest to this, and Jimmy, what I'm seeing from my my lower level, if we look at this as a pyramid, I'm on a lower level, and I got guys like yourself who brought me out today, Brian, mm -hmm. my good friend, Jimmy, who's given me multiple opportunities. You guys are above me, mm -hmm. and, and you're pulling us up. Mm -hmm. But I think those of us on the lower rung of, of the pyramid, mm -hmm. our job is to support you guys as you go up and you, you know what I mean? I think it's a symbiotic relationship that, I mean, I'm really getting that vibe from the community largely. There's a lot of guys that are either supporting those above them mm -hmm. or pulling those up underneath them. And it's, it's but that, that is true. That is a new, unique thing in our community. I, I was going to say, that is true, but there are also guys that are up up on the, the pyramid that aren't necessarily looking for the right people to pull up with them, just people that they can bring along that make themselves look better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In, like in, there's in Melbourne? No, 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 no. Uh, not, nobody overall, nobody yeah. that's been around here. Yeah. I, I just know this is a common thing in the comedy community where like guys that are out on the road and they're they're hitting shows are not always bringing the best guys with them or like the guys they like the most. A lot of times it's mm -hmm. like guys that will bomb or not do it, 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 it you know super yeah. well so that they go up at the end and they get to be the hero of the show like oh yeah. look at this guy he really knows what he's doing i give you an example of, around what you're talking about Dorian 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 Gale 
right? I'm mm-hmm. sure you've seen Dorian, mm-hmm. right? When Dorian, what? Oh, nothing. Keep going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy looks shocked. Like, no, I'm not shitting on Dorian. I'm giving, oh, telling okay. a positive story about Dorian. Yeah, he's... When Dorian... I, Dorian started before me. But when I first started, Dorian has always been amazing at impressions. His actual stand-up in the beginning was horrendous. It's getting better, mm-hmm. but his impressions are still way above where his actual stand-up is. When he first started, he would get up <laughs> and be that chuckle. Horrendously bad. Right? Horrible. And then he would do his impressions, and everybody would be like, oh, shit. That's Chris Rock. Yeah, that's Chris Rock. That's really good. Right? Yeah. And Dorian, early on, had a website. Dorian was making TikToks when TikTok kind of first started. He was making Instagram reels. All this other shit. Mm-hmm. And I remember specific local comics that are not, very important, are not actively doing comedy anymore. Right? People mm-hmm. who quit and fell off the earth. Yeah. At the time, were clowning Dorian. Yep. <laughs> were yeah. clowning Dorian for, like, the passion. Haters. Like, yeah, he's, he's just a tryhard. It was essentially uh, the energy. Right? Yeah. And I said, and I said, listen... I take part in the laughing at Dorian's um, shitty material, just like everybody. Yeah, that's but fun. But mark my words, the amount his work ethic, he is going to get good. There's no way yeah. that somebody works as hard as he does, and he will not surpass all of you talking shit about him. He so will absolutely that. surpass you. About people talking shit. Yeah, it's yeah. about you. Yeah, and now. Dorian Gale, again, his his stand-up still isn't his strong suit. It's still his impressions, but he's gotten much better at his stand-up, and his impressions are now out of this world. Those people, again, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think work a minimum wage job and aren't doing comedy anymore. Yep, or Dor- unemployed. Yeah, Dorian Gale was just at the BET Awards performing with Miss Pat. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, awesome. it's one of those things where, like, you're going to get pressure from... You know, other comics who feel like they view themselves. I'm wary of anybody who considers themselves an artist mm-hmm. that uh, gets real yeah. into that, like, yeah. I'm an artist and I'm trying to do blah, 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 blah. Number one, it's usually never the funniest people. The f- real funny people don't even use that language. We hate ourselves. Yeah. Hate ourselves. We're scum. <laughs> and this thing of like, Again, going back to we had the conversation with Paul about like clean comedy, mm-hmm. right? And being able to be different in different venues. There's a lot of comics that come to, and I think it's also a generational thing. A lot of the younger comics, age-wise, not like time in, mm-hmm. age-wise, come in with this thing of, well, this is about me expressing myself. So I'm going to get on stage and do my thing regardless of where I am, regardless of who's in the audience, and if I do poorly because I haven't made any adjustments based on the room, mm-hmm. then fuck them, right? Can yeah. I ask you a question based yeah. on that? So there's been nights where I've been at the Moon Room, and it's been a really, what I would say, a cold crowd. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame the crowd. Mm-hmm. I blame the comics. So yeah. when I go up, I'm like, all right, it's my turn to win them over. And mm-hmm. I've not flipped them. Mm-hmm. But when, so here's my question. When I go up there with five minutes, and I got my five minutes I'm going to do, and I go up there and I, I do my bit, and I, 
I didn't flip him. But I see mm-hmm. a guy like Cam who will go up with five minutes, mm-hmm. and he may see that I need to do crowd work. And he will he won't do his five minutes. He'll do four minutes of crowd work, and he'll win him over, yep. and he'll do a minute of bits. Now, where I've struggled and where I wonder where that balance is as a newer comic, mm-hmm. do I go up and do my five minutes because that's what I've got for tonight? Or do I step back like a seasoned Cam who's good at reading a room mm-hmm. and say, all right, Eric, win them over with some crowd work, bring them in for four minutes and let your ego go and realize you can't do your five minute set. You can only maybe do a minute. Mm-hmm. What is your take on that from my So point? it's, it'll come with time. So it's a weird thing where, this put, it puts me in a weird position because I hate when an older comic tries to tell me the timeline of when you should be working on something. Because my take on it is, I can work as hard as I want to and get as good as I want to as fast as I want to. But I will say that the stage you're at now, you're still just building like a solid five, ten minutes of material. Um, In that situation where it's like a cold crowd and you want to start to try to do some crowd work, I think you should. I think you should maybe try and do maybe a minute and then go into your material because yeah. crowd work is a skill. It's something that you develop over time. Yeah. Um, so somebody like Cam, Cam is an interesting one because he's so high energy and he has a infectious personality. And I think he's brilliant. That just yeah, that just shines through oh, shit, when yeah. he gets on stage. I think he's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, also th- I also think it depends on what kind of show you're on, too. Yeah. Because if you're on a showcase show where you have comic after comic after comic, like like Moon Room, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a showcase show. It's not an open mic. but And so that literally normally just means that the level of comedy is, is, quite, is high mm-hmm. up there. But there's so many comics going up that night mm-hmm. that there's going to be some that are hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Where if you're on like a four-man show that's like paid and like you have a headliner, a feature, uh, opener, uh, maybe some people doing guest spots, I feel like it's everybody's it's everybody's job to get that crowd going by the time the headliner gets up and goes up and, mm-hmm. and crushes because no. that's that's the job because that everybody paid to see that person mm-hmm. you know what I mean so mm-hmm. all of the kinks of the show need to be worked out by then all of the audience needs to be loosened up and mm-hmm. I mean in my opinion if you're trying to make the best show possible then th- that is like setting up the person who everybody's there to yeah. see the Can't best way right yeah. right you know what I'm saying so I mean maybe I'm wrong yeah. there, but that's well, that's, that's not ever how it's gonna. That's no one. That's nobody's mindset ever. Ever when you get booked on a show, oh, I'm gonna set it up for the headliner. Yeah, you, you want to you want to kill. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. But but, but, but that's that's the but the booker will set it up that way. Okay, the booker will yeah. set it up where all right, I'm gonna put the strongest comic at the end, second strongest as the feature, a strong host and a guest spot. I don't really give a shit about. You know, so that it flows, it builds that way. To it, yeah. But there have been nights where, like, there have been nights at Pineapples where the show just started off with shitty energy. Mm-hmm. And I've asked Jimmy, I said, hey, Jimmy, you want me to go up and, and bring the yeah. room up? And it, it, it it's just an experience thing. It'll just come with experience to know how to come yeah. in and go, you know what? Because one of the things you can do is directly address the fact that they're being a shitty audience. You can go, yeah, you know you what? We're not going to do this. But you got to be yeah. really good at doing that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, but th- that's the thing. It's like <laughs> it's a skill level thing. It's a yeah. So so here's the thing. I got good at crowd work 
an old school pizza, which is hopefully it comes back. It's mm. a shit show of a situation. It's a it's a pizza show, really good pizza and food. <laughs> but the mic wise, there'd only be like six people in the audience, <laughs> maybe twelve. It wasn't a terrible night though. No, but it was it was always fun. People paid right? attention yeah. in the front. Yeah. And but it was the same it was the same people every time over and over and over again. So I got to a point where I didn't want to do my material because I'm like, everyone in this room has heard every one of my jokes a bunch of times. So I said, you know what? I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna come to old school pizza. And this was COVID really what two things and I have to tell the story before, but COVID and Eugene pissing me off. Have, is oh, what really kind of started that. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy loves he that. is really good. Sorry, I don't want to divide white and black, but he's definitely the best black, black comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chris is the best white one. <laughs> so, oh yeah, for our listeners they, out there, Chris is black. Yeah. <laughs> So so what was so what was happening during the pandemic was old school pizza was the only mic literally for it was the only mic even in Orlando it was the only mic for fifty miles that was continuing to happen um, so it was the same few people that were brave enough to keep coming out and the same stupid few comics enough. yeah there were stupid stupid <laughs> enough to keep coming out and the same few comics that were stupid enough to keep coming out so I said you know what while this pandemic thing is going on. I'm not going to bring material. I'm going to go to old school pizza with a blank mind. And I'm going to get there early. And I'm going to sit in the room. And I'm going to write about the people in the room. So at first, it was, all right, I got an hour before I'm going to be on stage. What can I write about the people in the room in an hour? And then you start kind of, all right, this guy's got a funny hat. This guy's... A Jew. <laughs> this guy... <laughs> this guy's ugly and his girlfriend's really pretty. There's something there. And you yeah. start doing that. And then and I did that throughout the entire pandemic. So I did that for pretty much two years, almost like 18 months straight. I didn't have a plan. I was just showing up, making shit up on the spot. And then it got to the point where I would write stuff down. And then I was like, you know what? Now I'm going to stop writing. I'm going to go in and I'm going to start to think of things off the top of my head I'm going to try and memorize this stuff, and then I'll say it when I get on stage. Mm -hmm. And then it got to the point where I'm not going to plan at all. I'm just going to get up, and what I see, we'll see what happens. But that took, like, a, 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 that was a boot camp during COVID for 18 months to get to the point where I can get up without a plan and just look at people and go, all right, you know, yeah. Based on and, and the fun, the funny thing about it though, it's all just stereotypes. Yes, because all it is is looking at somebody yeah. and assessing based making on what they're guess, wearing, how yeah. they look, and making very a guess. Shallow, uh, it's very shallow. It's very like sure. shitty. But it's what, being the girl at school that's like the sh- the shitty girl that's like talking shit you're to poor. everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, yeah. yeah, you're poor. Yeah, you're ugly. Yeah. You, wore that, you wore that shirt yesterday. Yeah, you just got to channel your inner like thirteen year old girl. <laughs> yeah. well, from my from my level, looking up. Mm-hmm. About two or three uh, Tuesdays ago, you literally held a clinic on stage Thank with you. crowd work. I, yeah. I, think I, said, I was like, dude, you just put on a crowd work clinic. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Jimmy. I've seen Jimmy get up there and hold the mic for a second, literally just look at his crowd, and you can see that he's absorbing what he's got to work with. And then he goes into some, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's fascinating. And then I hats off to Brian. I saw him at a show one night where 
knowing Brian, I know mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And I, I, I could see that he felt like he stumbled. But yeah. I saw him take a pause, look at the crowd, go into crowd work, and then go back into his bit. And mm-hmm. he was mad at himself. But after the show, I was like, bro, that was such maturity and composure. Mm-hmm. To me, that was fascinating. Yeah. You know? so it, it, <laughs> I'll tell you who, and I, I keep, this, I, Dean Napolitano, I keep, I always sing his praises when it comes to crowd work. If you ever get a chance, because Dean, Dean will come to Gregory's and a bunch of different places around here. So if you ever see he's on the calendar, go to the show and watch. Okay. Um, I Maybe one time when he comes, because he'll, he'll come and do this podcast at some point whenever he's around. Um, but I would want us to do like a, a um, like kind of a, a, a field, field trip, trip kind of thing yeah. where the whole podcast he's goes dead. to watch him. Yeah. Because he, he's where I learned crowd work from. When I went to Pe- when I did that show with Pensacola with him, and I got to watch him in different shows, because one of the things that's cool about working with a headliner multiple venues, multiple nights, is it starts to take remove the curtain from their act, because what you might think watching a headliner do something is this is all fresh off the top of his head, this crowd work is him just making shit up on the fly, and it's just genius. It's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen in my life. But if you do two and three shows with the same headliner, what will happen is you'll go, oh, okay, if it's a middle-aged white lady that's dressed like she's got a bunch of money, he's going to say this. If it's a young black guy with, you know, he's dressed like he's in a rap video, he's going to say this. They call him a... Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) But he has an entire... He has a Rolodex of stuff that he can pull from because you have experience being on stage. And then what Dean does that's that's what makes it so beautiful kind of to watch is he comes into an interaction with the audience member. So let's say um, he wants to talk about his ex-wife, right? Mm-hmm. He can come in, he'll pick a couple in the audience and start to have a conversation with them about their relationship. And he'll get into a back and forth with them about their relationship. And we'll go, God, I'll tell you about my ex-wife. Not realizing, now now he's moved into pre-written material. But that transition is so smooth because he knows he has this whole chunk of material about his ex-wife. If he starts a conversation with a couple, he can lead their, he can ask them questions that will lead into his material about his ex-wife. And then he'll go on a, 15 minute thing about his ex-wife and then he wants to talk about his daughter and then he'll go yeah you know but the great thing that it was i you know i was married to this woman and i didn't really get along but you know i have this amazing daughter and and then boom it's into daughter material and then he'll pick a millennial in the audience and start to talk to them and then that will swing into other mat- it's so it's so elegantly weaved throughout that it feels like you're just watching this live conversation. Yeah. But that's 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 just experience <laughs> coupled with that skill set of learning how to do it. Um, so Yeah, he's a he's a you blew my mind. Talk about like um, one of those moments where you feel like you're inadequate <laughs> one inch yeah. small. Um, he did a milk district. Mm-hmm. And oh my god. He did? He did Milk District one night uh-huh. a while back, and he did exactly what you were saying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as a comic I knew, 
kind of, I was like, because this, I mean, it, he was just destroying. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I mean, I knew that he was streaming back and forth, but it was so flawlessly done. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Um, but just one thought I had is that it might be a better time for you to just do crowd work when the crowd is engaging in the beginning, like where you are now, than trying to do crowd work when the audience is cold. Because if the crowd is cold, you know, it. you already... Uh, you're already working on something that's tough to do as a new comic, and now you're doing it with a cold crowd that's not really into the. Makes sense. So, and another thing, when you do do crowd work, a good place to start is the front row, especially. Um, like sometimes I'll watch people come in early on and they'll sit in the front. I'm like, that's a conscious choice they're making that they want to be involved with the show. So mm-hmm. it's always a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not sitting in the front row consciously at a comedy show like being like, they better not talk to me. <laughs> so they're like good people to start with because they want to be, most of them probably want to be involved. Yeah. And that's why they're sitting in the front. So that's good. You know what I started doing is I would write jokes where I would, I would, Ask the audience a question, like not an individual person, just the whole audience, mm-hmm. like do this or whatever, right? Just have people shout stuff out. But that way I'm com- getting more comfortable creating a dialogue. Yeah. And then, and I did that for like, I don't know, like three weeks or something. Mm-hmm. I literally had two jokes where I would ask the crowd, the audience something, you know what I mean? And then I started, it was like listening to Chris going, well, I would sit in the back and I would pick people out. You know, I might not write individual jokes for people, but I am scanning and looking like, okay, what's what's this person look like, or uh, or like you said, like like at uh, at Muggsy's this past week, mm-hmm. there was the old man and the younger, yeah. better looking girl. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, yeah. Nobody said anything about them before, and then I went in, and then like six comics after me were like, oh, this is you so, know what I mean? So sometimes it's just like pointing something out like that or thinking in advance because as soon as I saw them, I was like, I'm yeah, t- I'm scan the crowd, just yeah, like yeah. see what you're working with because yeah. like just con- subconsciously, I did that don't tell show in Orlando and I saw this guy looked exactly like Steph Curry, <laughs> just like yeah, people yeah. would say, oh my god, he looked like Steph Curry, right? And then I didn't even think, oh, I'm going to use that, but I was on stage and he was in the front row. And I did, I was like pausing, I was doing something, I was mm-hmm. l- not talking for a reason, mm-hmm. and he goes, you all right, bro? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, fine. Don't you have a Warriors game to be at? <laughs> and then, it, you know, just because it was like, it seemed like it was off the top of my head or whatever, but I, he was like, registered, you're Steph Curry, so, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, exactly. fucked with me. Yeah, yeah. I got. Uh, I don't want to change the subject too much, but I do have something that I think Eric can kind of lend some expertise mm-hmm. in, and that's uh, you own a, a business, man. You own mm-hmm. a, a clothing company, mm-hmm. and there's a vast majority of comics that are slinging their their merch in mm-hmm. one way or another. So I thought maybe you could uh, talk about like the process of like creating a shirt and. Yeah ordering and all that kind of stuff like like you don't have to like give specifics of your business you know but like definitely like how you create your shirts where do you send them to how much you you know how, how much does it cost for you to get a shirt versus what you're you know selling yeah. it for if you, you know if it's a non-complex shirt i know it, it goes yeah. different ways but I, I, I know you know Brian. a lot about it he's a, good a lot about <laughs> this, so. can i answer that i do want to ask one last yeah, 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 question. yeah. one last question yeah comedically i'm at a point where i truly feel that 
you got to be uncomfortable to learn to get comfortable. Absolutely. And I recognize that. And I'm struggling with, like, I want to put myself in situations that are so uncomfortable where I just walk in cold and do them. Mm-hmm. But there's, I'm fighting the Freudian ego of not wanting to bomb a set for mm-hmm. in front of people and, and ruin my brand. Well, what are your thoughts on that at my level? Well, right at at or your level. Or at your you level, what you got to do, and again, it's, it's <laughs> so at your level, open mics feel like shows, mm-hmm. right? But they're not, right? So you have showcases where you're there to showcase your work and your skill and your best, right? Then you have, like, paid shows that are, like, like a comedy club or something like that or a, a you know, clubhouse at a, you know, whatever, place where you're getting paid to perform, yeah. right? Those are the things you need to worry about brand building, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what I would recommend is you pick your place. So it could be Muggsy's. It could be... Um, beachside retro, um, it could be you know wherever pineapples. Like yeah. I think, um... I well, I wouldn't say pineapples. I, well, here's what I'm gonna say first. Oh yeah. Pick your place where you're like, I can come here and bomb my ass off, and I don't care, right? Because I don't know if pineapples is a place to do that, because that's like a because it's a showcase at this point. It's an open mic. I mean, okay. I mean, it's it's a. Sh- it's a showcase with sixteen it's people. It's competitive on it. though, man. Like, there's some good comments. Well, because you got to be. Well, because it's it's not yeah, a, it's not just that anybody sign up and go up, right? Right. Yeah, it's not. Because if you because you don't want to advertise it as that, because then people are like, oh, we'll just pull up the pineapples. Uh, yeah, you know? I had to stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, like people are taking kind of. Yeah. People are just showing up. Yeah. And kind of screwing. And pineapples is also a very good show with a very good audience. Yeah. So you might want to use like if I was in your position, I'd use pineapples. To like, because because you're not in a position right now where you're getting spots at like comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. So if I was at right. your level, I would go. I'm gonna treat pineapples like it's my comedy club, and I'm gonna treat these other mics like my open mics. Okay. So I build. Yeah. I use these other mics to build what I think is a hot set, and then I go to pineapples and try and knock it out of the park. It's the proving ground. Yeah. 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 So you, if you go to Beachside Retro. And because because that's really what old school pizza became for me, which is kind of why I wanted to come back, Sorry. is like I don't give a shit about this, <laughs> right? And that sounds terrible, but what happens no. as a comic is the less you care, the better you become. I felt that, but that's how that's how I Amen. that's exactly how I do it, man. Yeah. Like Beachside Retro is the laboratory, yep. the Sunday night laboratory, and Pineapples is the proving ground. I literally retired a jo- the last I did Pineapples last Tuesday. Yeah. Retired a joke. I'm never gonna do it again. Which one? After that motherfucker. I'm never, hey. never gonna do that joke ever again. What? Why? Because uh, because it needs to be retired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, it's it's never gonna it's, it's never gonna come out again because. After our Saturday conversation, mm-hmm. okay, with um, shit, Paul. Paul, yeah. Did you Paul. tell that on Saturday? Uh, well, I didn't do. That. Oh yeah, no, 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 tired, no, yeah. no. I yeah. Uh, after our conversation, like at the po- we did a podcast. Right, right. Yeah. Paul is like a clean comic. He, uh, Paul Jensen. Yeah. Uh, he's a clean comic. He looks like a biker, totally clean, like Mister Rogers level clean. <laughs> Bathroom has paper towels. Yeah, it's fine. It's in the front. It's by the front. It's in the front to the right. <laughs> so um, I decided, you know, 
I decided that Saturday, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a clean five minutes. Like, I'm, it's, it's gotta happen. I need, I need to have, like, because if I yeah. had a clean five at beaches in Daytona, yeah, I think I would have had a stronger better. set. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and because I had jokes that did well, but they were the jokes that I had that were less risky. You know what I yeah. mean? And so then I went home that weekend. I wrote, I, I wrote like five new jokes that are like. There's, they're clean as a whistle. It's a good no. practice to do. Yeah. And yeah. Um, also the thing with that joke <laughs> is that I didn't think it represented who you were. Exactly. So like, and then you were, t- especially when you would tell it early on. Yeah. I'm like, that's Absolutely. not you. Yeah. And then you telling it early, it's like, so now I feel like if you tell that joke early, then the rest of your jokes kind of have to be in that same vein yeah. where they catch mm-hmm. on. Oh, okay. He's like Anthony Jeselnik does where it's right. okay. He doesn't. Well, that's. That's what, what I, I kind of liked about the joke is that it dug me a little hole that I like to dig, uh, dig myself out of. Yeah. But I, I'm kind of like now I don't need to do it. You know, mm-hmm. like even Tuesday night, I, I, I had a strong set. I did that joke mm-hmm. and it middled. <laughs> it was all right. Like, oh, yeah. there was people in the back going, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and it, but it had a good response. Yeah. It just wasn't. The, it wasn't. Disagree. Hold on, laugh. Uh, so, but then I, I closed strong too. Like I, yeah. had a, I had a good set Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, all, sure. all around. And and like Eric Hilarious. says, like like I feel like that night, like I turned it around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Eric and Heather had like you know okay sets, and then I came up, and then like the four or five people after me had great sets. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so some, and I've done that like a few times at Pineapples because I'm always like like number three or four somewhere in there usually, and so. I feel like I've had I've had that a couple of times where it's like especially when I was doing crowd work a lot at Pineapples like those were the sets where I I felt like I crushed the most yeah. that I've ever it, it like in all of comedy mm-hmm. I have two sets back to back at Pineapples that are hands down the best sets I've had mm-hmm. like the Beachside Retro Friday Night set I have is probably the third one mm-hmm. but I was doing crowd work uh, the the crowd was super receptive you were mm-hmm. there one one yeah. of the nights I was like I felt like I was killing yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I mean and so but. Again, that kind of that's why I stopped doing that. I even <laughs> stopped doing crowd work because I I need like after doing judge shows like I need material. It's easy to get I need up it. In it yeah. I need it. I need material because on shows where like the crowd work's not firing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, which mm-hmm. happens, you yeah. know, because uh, it's all on your brain. And sometimes like like if I'm super nervous, the crowd work is not gonna go well because yeah. I'm thinking about ten things at a time, and so like I can't just pick and choose like somebody and my brain just start populating shit mm-hmm. to say about them. And uh, and so I kind of took a back seat to that and went, okay, I'm just going to build material. Yeah. And then talking with Paul this past weekend, I said, okay, I'm going to start building more mm-hmm. clean material that's, yeah. that it can be more universally funny. Yep. You know what I mean? So that way on shows where I have older folks. See, I've seen you do it too. You pivot material all the time, man. Like sometimes your first like five jokes, I feel like you're just trying to figure out what makes them laugh. And then once you kind of figure that out, oh, is it sex? Is it this? Is it that? Once you find that, then you start kind of going on a vein of jokes that you have. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 but I don't have that well. Right, you know? right, right. So I have, like, I'll, I have chunks now. So, yeah. like, I'll have, I can be like, oh, I'll tell one joke about sex and then, nope. Back up. Yeah. Go into, the, it's kind of like a Yeah, you're, pivot, you're pivoting until you find the vein that they like. Yeah, like uh, s- Saturday, it was uh, a lot of black. Oh, wait, black people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I knew they weren't going to like... I mean, I, I had a few... Uh, black people really don't like me, it seems. Like, I don't do well with black black crowds. Yeah, we don't just, like you. 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just for Nazi reasons. Like you just yeah. have a very like. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I did like jokes about mental health, and they yeah. were they didn't like any weird stuff, yeah. and they definitely didn't like gay stuff because <laughs> I watched the comic. The comic, uh, the comic before me was doing a joke about like wondering if he's gay or something like that, and they yeah. were just fucking. Dead silent. Yep. <laughs> like, why are you saying? Why aren't you saying this to your therapist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Black audiences are a completely different animal. It's yeah. completely I'm excited different. to try. I've never. Yeah. I've never done a. Uh, I mean, don't be. I fear it. Like no, a, I am. All <laughs> type <laughs> room scares me. No, yeah. see, they're funnier than me. But <laughs> again, like I, f- I said this a lot, like to a couple of other open micers. Like I feel like when, like when I was a musician, right. We would play gigs, mm-hmm. and in the beginning, we sucked as a band. Yep. Our equipment sucked. Everything that we did sucked. You know what I mean? And as we as we got better and better and better, playing more, playing more, doing different experiences, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everything. There was, so by the time we were two years into it, we had every bad experience that we could possibly have, and we, we just knew how to deal with it yep. as it came in. And that's the same thing that we're doing as comics. But we're so new at it, we don't have all the tools and equipment to deal with each one of those situations. But after two years in or three years in, you've seen it all, you've done it all, you're calm, as a, you're cool as a cucumber in most situations. Okay. So all of that information has been downloaded and you just you automatically know how to deal with it. No. Do you mind if I build off that? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to build off that and digress back to your question about the branding and the marketing and yeah. the product creation for comics. Yeah. In musicians, they'll you you tour, you you did venues, and you always had a merch booth in the back. And that mm-hmm. merch booth for musicians is is how they support their time on the road. And yeah, they, that's where they make their money. Yeah, right. And I've been fascinated by Sorry. the concept of merchandising and comedy, based on my experience running a brand in, in a couple different clothing lines. Right. And what I've found. Is that I think as a comedian, if if you want to get into merchandising as far as like apparel, the mm-hmm. number one key, and I've had three different brands, and the biggest takeaway I can tell anyone is have a cool logo. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with reaching out to a logo firm. And there's also a ton of people nowadays on Instagram that you can reach out to and be like, hey, this is my idea, this is my name, make it something cool. Because at the end of the day, like, you're, you're Brian Milligan. Like, why do people want to put that on their car or their head or their shirt? Right? Yeah. But, you know what I mean? But what would be cool is if there's some cool little design and it has, like, a B and a BM, I mean, bowel no, movement. No, no, no. Oh. My, initials, shitty. my initials are BAM. Oh, uh, perfect. See, so there you go. That's what I'm saying. So now, now That's why it's I was of... Bam Bam Comedy for a while, but oh. there's, there's too many of them. Yeah. So, so now it's not, now it's cool. Cause no one was, you know what I mean? Now, now it's cool and I got, you got something yeah. that you could put on a product that is worthy of people wanting to buy. Right. So I think you were then asking about sourcing and, and getting the product and finding the best way to go about like uh, getting it cheap and reducing your product cost. I think for comedians, the best thing to do would be be to get like maybe 10 to 20 shirts to bring to a venue right mm-hmm. but set up an online web page and use um i think it's called printful or mm-hmm. printify yeah one of those sources that way you're not you didn't just buy 300 brian milligan t-shirts and are sitting in your garage and you sold 12 xls 
and now you've got 80 smalls you can't move and you pay yeah. for. But whereas if you use like a Printify or a Printful, people can purchase them online. It still supports your thing, and they only charge a hair on the on the markup. Here's an idea really? that I had, mm-hmm. right? So, because yeah, I've done I've done I've done a bunch of shows with a bunch of headliners, and the headliners that do T-shirts. Mm-hmm. The reason why I refuse to do T-shirts is they got to show up to the show with a suitcase, yep. with small, medium, large, extra large, double XL. What's the problem with of that? Every, it it's a pain in the ass. But if they sell, it's worth it. No, it's true. But he, so here's my idea, right? So what you're talking about is is drop shipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, third third so, party. Yeah, third party right. drop shipping. So you come up with the design, you send the design to the company. The company hosts like you have a website. Someone orders a small of your shirt, right? Instead of having inventory, they print it in a small and ship it directly to that person. But again, we talked about this. It's impulse buys that shows. Yes, impulse buys so that shows. Like, oh, that's a shirt. That's cool. I yes. want it. Hats, yeah, yeah, hats that you can go to. Oh, that's a hat I can put yeah. on my head. That's, I, but I, it's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, I just think that eliminates the impulse. Oh, look, a shirt. So here's, so I here's agree. my thing. I want to support the comedian, yeah. and also I get to hold a shirt. So here's my thing. What I, what I want to do, because I, I would like to have a money making engine. Because mm-hmm. I, I went to um, Devin Seabold's website, um, the board teacher's website, and I was like, because oh, I, I, I've seen his YouTube stuff. Yeah. I never actually went just to the Bold Teacher's website. Oh, yeah. I did. It's a hell of a professional, beautiful yeah. website yeah, really? with yeah. all of his content from podcasting to yeah. YouTube videos to comedy stuff. If you want to buy merchandise, if you want to subscribe, like it's wow. a beautiful website, right? And what I want to do is create something similar, an economic engine website, right? So first thing, my first merch that I'm going to do, and I just got to stop being cheap and do it, is the my album? I have the option to get it in vinyl mm-hmm. from the record company. That's super cool. So I'm gonna get them in vinyl oh, nice. so that I can on the spot. Cause then there's no sizes. It's just a single yeah. thing, and they're vinyl, so they're thin. So I can get a, a a suitcase type of thing and pack a shit ton of vinyl records into like an egg crate shaped thing on wheels, and now my life is easy, right? But what I want to do for T-shirts and stuff. Is set up, but so so this, and I'm just showing him. So that is a business card with a QR code on it. Mm-hmm. That's the cover for my album, yeah. right? So if you scan that, right, it just takes you. It's just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just Rick Astley. Oh. Yeah, it takes you directly to the option to listen to my album. Yeah. Right. The back of this takes you to a link tree that has like my social media. But my plan for the future is to have something like this, where the front is the album, right? Yeah. And the back goes straight to my Printify store. So On your somebody business card? Yeah. Yeah. So somebody could scan this and then I th- I think to for Jimmy's thing in terms of um, you know, the impulse buy thing, mm-hmm. I think what would be cool is if I set up a different a different like a, a secret page on the website that's like a landing page that you can't get to normally on the website. Mm-hmm. If you scan this, it means you physically saw me at a show, and the, there's a discounted price yep. for people that have come to the show. So it'll incentivize people coming to the show to then do that. Because then what you can do, and I'm sure you know this, and you can kind of tell me from mm-hmm. doing t-shirt design, I could put every single joke from my act on a t-shirt, 
and that'd be overkill. But yeah. I could have 25 t-shirt designs, offer the t-shirts in every different color, yeah. and they can go to that site, and now it's an entire t-shirt company around me. Mm-hmm. You know, which is, which, which is yes, you're going to lose out on some of those impulse people, but I think the people that do go and check it out, I think you'll make a lot more money off of those people. <coughs> If they can just impulse click 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 and then boom the shirts are going to be shipped to their house. So whatever. I I think you're on the right track and the 100% workaround to that would be is like let's say you um and I, I could turn you on to the different printers or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're like you know what I'm going to order 48 shirts mm-hmm. and reach out to me and I'll help you with size breakdown and what yeah. works. And like all right I got 48 shirts that's one box I bring with me. Mm-hmm. From here on out. They're on the website. So yeah. now you're carrying one box in, you set up in the back, it's low-key. Or in our case, like Weedline Fishing Apparel, that's my brand. Mm-hmm. I sell 10-to-1 hats mm-hmm. over T-shirts now. Even in our, our the shops we're in, yeah. we move more hats than T-shirts. And I think for the consumer, they can wear this seven days a week. A yeah, T-shirt, t-shirt yeah. you wear like once a week, you know? Yeah. So hats are easier. You just come in. Now you're not worried about sizing. You just yeah. got one hat, a cool design, and you don't have to bring in or sit on different various sizes. Yeah. Uh, part two of that is that's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I could see that in black and white on a, a cotton shirt printed on the front. <laughs> like, that's cool, you know? Like, uh, yeah. But Shopify is your friend nowadays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my He's oh, no, 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 no. I have to head out. He's got to go. I just love Jimmy in his awkward <laughs> moments. Well, I don't want to interrupt. I love you, brother. Real quick, I wanted to do a big thank you to... Eric, I should probably know this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm nervous. But uh, I got my car towed um, in de- uh, in Tampa. Did you know about this? Yeah, yeah, Brian told me that you got your car towed. Yeah, and um, so I I used all the money I had to get it on towed. Mm-hmm. And then Eric put together like a mini comic GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. And um, he said you refused to donate any money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was that was uh, I was extremely hey, grateful. I yeah. was trying to mention it throughout the podcast, but yeah. you were... that was a collective of all your friends. Yeah, that beach. was like so that made it, me like that was a collective. I was like yeah, tearing yeah. up because like I sincerely was fucked. Yeah, because I only had gotten paid for pineapples one week. Yeah, and I had a bunch of other shit. Mm-hmm. Like pile, you know when just like stuff yeah, happens. So I was like paying for, I like uh, you know I was paying for, had my car payment right there that was overdue, and yeah. then all this mm-hmm. other stuff around it. I had to get new dog food for my dog the day before yeah. because his stomach was fucked fucked up, and then bam, no money. Yeah. On top of that, car towed. So yeah. I was like completely fucked. So that was like one of the coolest things. I wanted to think. Everyone, especially, yeah, so everyone, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so you guys keep going. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, Good see you. It was a blast. Great podcast. Yeah. Tell, yeah. Have Jenna call me if you can. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will. I'll see what I can do. See you guys. Shop- Shopify is your friend. Okay. Uh, it is an amazing website. It's like 30 bucks a month. And there's a slight learning curve, mm-hmm. but... It is so user friendly. Mm-hmm. You can literally upload your products. You can change them. You can inventory them. It'll create your shipping labels. Um, you can put in your photo. You don't even uh, web guys are going to shoot me for this. Yeah. It eliminates web guys. Yeah. And it's and it it 
creates a nice professional <coughs> product mm-hmm. and uh, it, it looks good and it yeah. allows you all that control where if let's say you run out of your album mm-hmm. you're like dang i gotta call my my web guy so he can mm-hmm. click that to off so i'm yeah. not selling you don't have you do it on yourself yeah. if you need any help or any questions okay. let me know and the, po- the post office will give you like like they'll give you free bags that you can pack shit into really yeah it's 100 percent. they're shit. called a um um like padded envelopes or yeah. they have like a, like priority flat rate shipping mm-hmm. shipping shit yeah. and they'll give you as much you can literally go on the post office website and order as much of that shit as you want and oh, wow. they'll just drop it off right at your door oh, that's awesome so so, yeah. so for the for those that are interested in branding too the next level of building O'Brien stickermule.com mm-hmm. they make phenomenal stickers I've had them sit on signs in Cocoa Beach for like four <laughs> years really? and they don't even fade or peel yeah and the cool thing about stickermule.com is your cool photo here yeah you can cre- create bags they're about 97 cents a pop mm-hmm. that have your Christopher Robinson on it mm-hmm. and now when that consumer buys your, the hat or the product it comes to them in that that bag with all your branding on it it looks really yeah. cool and the really neat part about that with Printful and Printify, mm-hmm. let's say you third party to them mm-hmm. buying of your t-shirts, they have it where you can send them your packaging and your bags, and when mm-hmm. they send it to the uh, consumer, mm-hmm. they will put it in your bag and stuff. Really? And, That's which awesome. really reduces the overhead for guys like yourselves that are worried about writing and family time and do i have time to package this or that mm-hmm. it, it really helps with that and if you yeah. have any questions on that let me know you know there was something else i wanted to say too uh okay so um also, also he was talking about logo design mm-hmm. and instagram and all that uh fiverr is huge yes fiverr, fiverr. i wanted because because five have you ever used fiverr i'm very familiar with it but i got guys that i i source out to now yeah. they are through the roof yeah. and maybe one to two hundred bucks a design Okay. That are phenomenal yeah, designers. Yeah. It, I, they're that level. I it, like that's the thing though. Like so for all levels because like one to two hundred bucks is is feasible for somebody that's like got a, a little Very bit of cash. Cool. But yeah. somebody who's like flat broke, five you can go on. It's like yeah. might, it might be forty bucks or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. To create that's a it. basic logo. But in all of these situations, it's almost you get what you pay for. 100%. So you're going to get a $40 logo where the guy that Eric's going to give you or, you know, get you hooked up with is going to yeah. give you a $200 logo or like a really super highly professional one. So, yeah. uh, but we've used Fiverr a bunch of times, yeah. you know, for different different shit. Because one, one of the things that I want, yeah, well, one of the things that I want for, for, Again, what I would love for this podcast to become is, and like, I'm glad that you're saying that it is that. It's a thing where new comics 100%. can come in and, you know, but what I would like for us to do as a community, because we have so many different people with so many different skill sets, is I want us to kind of create an uh, an engine, like a, a system that someone, that a new comic can come in and... We're all sharing information to get everybody, yeah, you know, up. straight. So, for example, to me, from a marketing perspective, what I think would be so genius is everybody is actively, and I, I like things. So I, I don't know because you heard what I talked about. Why I want the the car thing mm-hmm. to then feed into the podcast, that then feeds into the comedy career, and everything feeds each other, right? Everything yep. be symbiotic. So I, I, that's kind of my vision for all the stuff that I do. What I'm thinking is all these comics are busting their ass to get all these videos of them performing on TikTok, on, you know, 
um, Facebook Reels, and Instagram Reels, right? If we all started our own t-shirt brands and you only wore your brand to perform in, now those videos where you have 100,000 viewers because it's you doing Mm -hmm. stand-up, hey, if you like that, give me a follow and here's a link to my line where the t-shirts come from. Yeah. You know? Cross-marketing. Yeah, cross-marketing to yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I grassroots a lot of my, like I wear my product all the time if Mm -hmm. if I'm on stage. Yeah. But subconsciously be like, oh, what's that? And then they'll look us up. Yeah. Because I I don't ever want my comedy to Yeah, be connected with, yeah. Because it's a fishing line, but in granted, yeah. we're funny. Like yeah. uh, my posts are funny, and yeah. the brand's funny. We're very tongue in cheek. But on stage, you can apparel. say offensive things. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But but if you started a, a t-shirt line that is specifically like your comedy career, then that you could push hard on your on stage social media stuff. So here, I'm probably gonna give up way a bunch of good ideas here. Well, I'd had this <laughs> vision. So yeah. I, I I grew up surfing and skating. Like mm-hmm. that's the world I come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, in my late teens, early 20s, lost surfboards. You know, they had mm-hmm. lost across America yes. videos. Mm-hmm. What's really going wrong? Mm-hmm. And what Lost did that none of the other surf brands were doing was they showed the behind the scenes of the surfer. They were, yeah. they were just showing, you know, like Kelly Slater and uh, Chris Ward and those guys surfing. They mm-hmm. were showing them. Chris, especially Chris Ward and uh, Shay Lopez and Corey Lopez, all of them. Mm-hmm. they were showing them dudes partying, having Drink, a good time, at the yeah. talking to chicks. Yeah, yeah. like they showed the behind the scenes, yeah. and I think so much of that is missing from the comic. Like we all show yeah. our reels, but we don't show the behind the scenes, and the behind the scenes is the lifestyle of what makes these guys funny. Yeah, it's because we're not like we don't have dedicated people filming us. And, and it's tough for us for like if one person pulls out a phone and starts yeah. recording a conversation to continue to relax. Yeah, then yeah. it's like it's heightened. Like everybody's like, "Oh shit!" But here's the funny thing. So uh, along the lines of what you're saying, mm-hmm. right? I think because again, we started talking about how how powerful our comedy scene could be if it if we function more as a group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because one of the things I think would be really cool is to create an office style sitcom around us doing stand up. Mm-hmm. Right, because again, if we create something like that mm-hmm. and it takes off, it's still all marketing for all of yeah, us. Yeah, we all we you all know. So, Brian, Brian and I had the conversation, and where my brain takes me is creating a comedy brand. Think um, along music record lines like Fat Records or Epitaph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something like that, where you create a comedy brand label and you've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten comics that are part mm-hmm. of that label of like, hey, we're, we're part of, uh, I don't know, Funny Bird Productions. Yeah. And Funny Bird Productions, when they show up to a show, they've got the van the guys jumped into, they pulled up and it's logoed out, and then Funny Bird Productions got the... Uh, merch booth in the back that's got a yeah. cool t-shirt funny bird mm-hmm. and it's not just one individual yeah and then, each comic can sell their own shit through yeah, that. yeah. And, then, and then now it's a conglomerate and it's it, it encompasses it all together and it, mm-hmm. that funny bird is like oh yeah i'm on funny birds label those guys are awesome and when people see a funny bird production they know that oh that's gonna be some oh, that's gonna be a good show and good comics and mm-hmm. it's gonna bring a vibe and yeah. i i 
I think that, you know that's to me is what's fascinating. They like, they have that home. Bill Burr and Al Madrigal have a very similar thing. Uh, Madrigal. Let me look at a, a business. Mm-hmm. Does that sound crazy? No, it's an utter listener tomorrow. It's a genius idea because like one of the things that I notice about like the. The people in Orlando. All things comedy. All things comedy. That's okay. that's Bill Burr and Al Madrigal. They run that, and mm-hmm. then they they make specials, they make yeah. clothes, they make everything. Yeah. And then it all runs through them, but they bring in comics that yeah. they you know like that they like, mm-hmm. and then they kind of sponsor them, and they make podcasts for them, and they make shows for them, and they do yeah. all that shit. Yeah. It's a sa- similar thing to that. Yeah. There's a, there's actually a few of them. Um, the the big J Okerson guys, yeah. like you know, with their Skank Fest stuff, mm-hmm. but they all kind of they have um. Um, gas was a gas uh, gas digital. Yeah, gas digital is their brand. They all it's mm-hmm. like a conglomerate, like you're talking about, and mm-hmm. it's it's Big J and it's uh, 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 what's his name Louis um, not Louis C K. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You dance odor and all those. Yeah. it's all they're all in the gas yeah. digital world, you know. Mm-hmm. And so in Florida, does not have that at all. Yeah, there's wow. it, there's nothing down here of of unity or, yeah. or anything yeah. other than like just the clicky <laughs> groups. Nothing down here. So, so now it's, it's true. It's, it's true. true. It's there's true. No, there's no unity. So there. now you've got a revenue vessel. You've got a product. You've got a way to bring guys in. You've got a way to finance these guys you brought in mm-hmm. to get this show on the road. And how, how cool would it be if we if you bring in a handful of guys and you do a two week tour of Florida yeah. and each shop, your each stop, you're selling some merch. It's putting gas in the van, yeah. and at the end of it, you, you get a, a killer footage and content out of it. And yeah. you're live, you know, like Here, here's the problem you run into with that, right? Mm-hmm. All of these brands I'm talking about are all started by guys who are well established mm-hmm. and have a lot of money. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or and they're and if they're not producing the money, they have enough clout to yeah. get yeah. financial backers for the business. Yeah, right. So if we started something like that, it would really be like two or three guys yeah. that have yeah. the money to start something like yeah. this, who are willing to put the capital yeah. up yeah. for it. And then six or seven other guys that are that are part of it, but are <laughs> don't not contribute much of anything. So, yeah, don't yeah. they contribute talent and yeah. and maybe T-shirt ideas and stuff like that? But the pay scale needs to be specific right up front. Yeah, yeah. Like this is the level that you're at in this business. Yeah. And, and go ahead. Very, very true. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer you can start from the ground, yeah, and the mm-hmm. ground will be like, let's say this summer, hey, bro, I rented a, a, a caravan from you, uh, I don't know, from Enterprise. Yeah. I got it for a week. Yeah. cost me 200 bucks. Yeah. We're going to stay in Roach Motels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got stickers we're going to slap on the side. Yeah. We got a box of T-shirts. We're going to hit the road. Yeah. And then, then like, uh, come Christmas time, like, hey, man, we, we made some money on that show. We mm-hmm. can bring a couple more guys. Hey, yeah. do me a favor. You get on the horn. You book us through Florida. You know, or even find us open mics. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it, I think you can yeah. really tear it. I think. But so here's too. what here's what will happen, right? And this is this is just what happens in comedy, mm-hmm. right? You will start that, and okay, you'll start that. No one will participate mm-hmm. except for the couple people. It'll build to a point where it's like, oh, shit, this is a thing. Right. And then you will get inundated with people wanting to be involved. Right? So it's like, because I've, I've tried to put together even tours. Right? And the hardest part about putting together a tour isn't finding people that are funny. It's the people. It's the people to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Um, so I think, because it's hard. Because, for example, like if we were to do something like that, I'm starting my road comic thing, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do the road comic thing underneath an umbrella with no, that's other separate. stuff. Because yeah. that's like something that I'm doing. Right. So the thing that you would, what you would struggle with is certain people are going to start to become the stars of the show, right? And they're going to start to feel like... Well, if I'm yeah, I should the most popular, like, then I should be around, and then this will start to be blah, blah, blah. So, so would it be amazing to do it with, like, a big-ass group, and it's, like, Florida comedy thing? That'd be incredible. Well, I just don't think... He, here's one thing that I've, I heard recently, mm-hmm. all right? Rudy said that mm-hmm. he went out to Bullenbush, I think, or one, one mm-hmm. of the Orlando open mics, and he had a really good set, and he got off, and he was talking to, like, the, you know, the hang, you yeah. know, and he was talking to a bunch of people, and, like, three different people came up to him that night and said, I don't know what you guys got going on over there, but the Melbourne comedy scene, like, almost everybody over there is funny. Like, yeah. uh, like there's, like, across mm-hmm. the board, the people yeah. that spread out, that are going out and doing the shows and stuff, yeah. like, they're already starting to make a name for themselves in, yeah. in Winter Haven and Orlando and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so they and they literally said like three different people that same night to Rudy like hey man the Melbourne comedy scene is funny so yeah. we already have that going for yeah us. yeah yeah you know what I mean and what I think is really cool for us and this is again this is like all what this podcast is all kind of about mm-hmm. is we're we're blessed in that we're small yeah mm-hmm. you know because could you get all of the Orlando comics together all of the Tampa comics together to do a conglomerate type of thing where we're all on this mission together. Yeah. It would be very difficult. Just because not because yeah. there's just because it's just so big and there's so many different personalities. It's such a different world. I think for a smaller community like ours, number one, I think it'd be easier to do. I think it'd be possible, number one. And number two, I think it would be controllable. Yeah. Cause I think here the only the only concern that I have about the growth in our scene that we have here, yeah, is you can't have too many mics in a small area, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to where it's like, okay, well now there's like three people trying to run mics on the same night on spread out. Like there's one in Cape Canaveral and there's one in Coco and there's one in Palm Bay all on the same night and it divides mm-hmm. the thing. So if we can work together... And do it to where, all right, if we're going to have two in the same night, they need to both be in the Ugali Arts District. Well, or they can both be in downtown Melbourne. But that's the thing about the the scene here now. Yeah. Okay? Is that the people that are divided yeah. are the people above the open mic level. Yeah. You know, it's, it's and not that there's division in that level yeah. either, but you, like you and Duncan and Eugene and yeah. Jimmy, you guys are kind of separated a little bit. I mean, yeah. you and you and Jimmy and you and Duncan are, are together and stuff like that, but for yeah. the most part, it's the four of you guys and yeah. you guys, and Judd too. Yeah. Today. None of you guys aren't like a cohesive group. Yeah, the open micers here are, here. are fucking. They're cohesive. Which they is, all get each other's backs. They all do shows for each other. I mean, it's like yeah. it's it's they're tight. Yeah. Which is why I think for me, and now I'm just talking about my selfish motivation, yeah. is I saw that there was a exploding open mic scene coming back in Melbourne, mm-hmm. irrespective of the old guard. Yeah, and I was like. One of us needs to come in and start to actually engage. Yeah. So that's why I've been trying yeah. to really engage with the new group of people. Because that means a lot. Yeah. We noticed that. Yeah. yeah. We see yeah. that Thank immediately. You. Yeah. Like yeah. as soon as you yeah. started coming to that first night, you went to Pineapples. We were yeah. like, oh okay. 
Yeah. All right, Chris is coming around now. Like, yeah, it, it validates it, us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, when I have somebody that, like, doesn't have, that's above me that comes up to me and says, hey, man, you're funny, mm-hmm. that doesn't have to say that. They're mm-hmm. not going around telling everybody that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that makes, like, I'm like, fuck yeah, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or, like, Ken Miller talked about it on the, on it when he was like, he's like, I actively try to learn everybody's name mm-hmm. because at, at my level, when I meet a, a open micer, it might make the world a difference if I see him a month later yeah. and go, hey, Brian, how you doing? Or, hey, you know, so and so or whatever. He's like, that makes a world of difference because then it means that, like, me as somebody at the top, mm-hmm. I'm embracing them as part of the community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that, that does make yeah. a big difference. And what I'm, what I'm hoping to do, which is why I'm trying to, you know, again, the, the podcast, I'm, I'm, I have the contacts to bring some of these really experienced comics in to get some of that information. And then I'm trying to feed it through this podcast down to every, even the brand new people in our scene. Because what I hope to also do is make this a small but mighty badass scene. Yeah. Where, you know, it's like, hey, you know, other cities, because they're bigger, they have the benefit of having a lot of comics. But it also means there's an opportunity to be a lot of shitty ones that aren't getting any guidance because there's just so many of them out there. And I hope that our scene, we can have, because we're small, we can all continue to communicate and we can share all this information. And I think that we have the opportunity to have something where it's like special to where, like, because there's certain parts of the country, right? Like, like even like Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. right? Nobody thinks of Austin as like a place where, oh, obviously they'd have a huge comedy scene that's known all over the country. I wouldn't think that. But Austin, Texas, all of a sudden, blew up. Blew yeah. up, you know? And I think that we have the opportunity here in Melbourne to where people go, why the fuck does Melbourne, Florida, all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, why are we competing with Tampa? Why, we, yeah, why are there comics driving from all over the state? To come to little ass Melbourne, Florida, yeah. and the next thing I keep I keep having conversations with people, and I think I need to get more serious about kind of locking people down on it. Yeah. But I think the next step is a comedy festival. Oh, but it's got to get we we have to get all these mics to a point. But if you think about it, if we have all these different mics, and my vision is I mean we we have downtown Melbourne, we have the Ugali Arch District. Yeah. Two really unique kind of spots, you know. Um. I think the Ugali Arts District will probably end up happening there first just because I don't see, and if anybody out here listening has more connections in downtown Melbourne, let me know. Um, because I reached out to the Henniger Center, which is that big playhouse in downtown Melbourne, and they don't want to do anything other than plays. There's also a, 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 a playhouse down, another little playhouse down there. Mm-hmm. They don't really want to do much other than plays, which kind of sucks. So it'd have to be like a, a funky dog or something like that, right? Yeah, something like that. Where right? we sell tickets out of it? Um, well, no. So my thing was, well, if you got the Archer Civic District. Civic Center. If you had the funky dog doing shows, pineapples doing shows, right? So let's say you had showcases at funky dog and pineapples, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's a, you know... Two-hour showcase at each one with all of the, you know, up-and-coming comics in the area, right? And split them up. You know, ten comics are at Funky Dog, ten comics are at Pineapples, and the showcases alternate. So one will be at Pineapples at seven, the other one will be at Funky Dog at nine. So that it staggers, so the audience can travel to both, right? 
And then at the end of the night, you hire a Daniel Tosh, who is a local actually from this area, to then headline the Ugali Civic Center. Right. At the end of the night. So then it becomes, it's an all-day festival with different venues in the arts district, plus a big headliner who's actually from this area who's going to be performing Mm -hmm. at the Civic Center. Yeah, brilliant. And that type of thing is now, okay, now that's not really happening in Florida at all anywhere else. Right. You know, I mean, Miami has like a a festival that's cool. Um, There's a couple other festivals or whatever. But for a town like, like... Melbourne, like for Brevard County to have something like that, yeah, would be insane. Well, they do multiple music venues down in O'Galley, or m- multiple music events down in O'Galley with a bunch of bands just yeah. like that. So, yep. so yeah, so they have a music I, festival. The, the template's there, yeah. and I think that that market and those businesses are primed for that kind of setup. So I, yeah. I don't think it's unrealistic to be able to pull that. But, so, but then we'd have to get the businesses on board to help cover some of the expenses yeah. of the theater, mm-hmm. of the the headliner, yeah. of uh, of all, like all of yeah. the operating costs. But here's what's interesting, too. though, um, and I do know this from get being in the chamber of commerce and stuff. Mm-hmm. If an event happens that's two days, mm-hmm. um, you can. Cause so Florida has a tourism board mm-hmm. or whatever that also has funding that can help for stuff. Because the state of Florida, our our economy is based around tourism. Right. So there's an actual like state funding uh-huh. that could come to help people put on events but the event has to be two days because the idea is I think it's mainly funded by hotels because the hotels want to bring people in town to stay at a hotel Yeah. so a one night event doesn't work for them they want it to be two nights because now if it's two nights now somebody's going to stay in a hotel Right. Um, so there's different funds of money um, but I mean I think something like that And it's, so when, when Duncan did his special mm-hmm. at the Funky Dog the guy who is on the is on the board for the Ugali Music Festival was there, so he's one of the people that I talked to because I was like, like you said, this same template, just switch out the bands for comics, yep. and it would be way cheaper to put on. Yeah, you're because you're playing five people for it's, each yeah, band. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's five people yeah. for each band. The bands have all these instruments, all this, all the wiring and all of this shit. All we need is. You know, four DJs yeah. and one microphone. Yep. No, you're right. And we do this at multiple venues, do it all in one or two days, yep. and run down all the best comics in Melbourne. And now we have this powerhouse of a festival yep. that brings the whole world yeah. to our scene. I, I honestly think, like, let's say, just spitballing here, like, let's say you want to bring this to fruition, and you start getting on the call, like, you're like... I'm going to call comics. Brian, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to uh, secure sponsorships. Call everyone yeah. in the central Melbourne area, and then if you don't mind, hit up a couple big ones. Yeah. And then you, you delegate everything, and then it comes together, yeah. and uh, it's not impossible. I think no. it's very feasible. It's very doable. I mean, you could even... No, never mind, never mind. I was going to say, you could even get, like, the King Center or something. Yeah, That's yeah. too far away. You yeah, want to keep, keep it all You want to keep it right in one... Which is why I... If the freaking Hanniger would do it, yeah. downtown Melbourne, because what's cool about downtown Melbourne is it's already somewhere. I mean, they they people actively walk you get out of the Arts District a little bit, yeah. but it's so small compared to downtown <clears> Melbourne, <throat> where like when they do the like food and wine festival, yeah, there's like 
2,000 people down yeah. there just walking up and down downtown Melbourne. But you so could, I vision... You could have, like, mer- like merch area set up in the yeah. little park yeah, there, yeah, too, yeah. where, like, mm-hmm. there's little booths and shops that people want to sell shit at. Yeah, but yeah. also, like, we could have booths that have, like, merch for the show that yeah. people can get from there. And what would be so cool is I guarantee you, this, if that something's already happening... And again, the thing is, you can bring a wealth of comics. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Salty Fox could have a, a little yeah. show in there. Yeah. You could do um, Intercoastals further up the street. They could do, like, a bar show in there. Pineapples. Yeah. and the So, that's four venues with small shows with newer comics. And then, boom, the big show. I, I was smiling at Brian like a weirdo. You, you made me think... You know what would be cool, too, is they got that little Bandshell amphitheater down yeah, there. Yeah, that's absolutely. I mean. That's where you put, like, Mark Andrew or, or Dorian, the guys that are like clean. clean. Absolutely. Cool. Put them out. Like, they're yep. awesome. You know? Yeah. Especially Mark. I love Mark Andrew. Yeah. He's such a good human, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Paul Jensen headlines the amphitheater outside with Mark Andrews and a couple other clean comics to open. Like, Curtis Bateman yeah. does, yeah. like, church shows. And that that's the thing. Really we, could, we could pull in... Headline like Frankie Paul, we pull in headliners yeah. that are that are somewhat local to us. Yeah, that uh, that are gonna cost uh, cost us money, an right. arm and a leg. Yeah. Might cost us a couple hundred bucks or something like that to yeah. get in there and do twenty or thirty minutes or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I agree. I, I Eric and I feel like have talked about you know like loosely talked about this before, and yeah. then I feel like you and I have talked similar yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know, man. I yeah. I, I, I think we, I think it's feasible. All of yeah. it. Keep spinning around. This is the brain trust for it, right yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. so. No, I think because we have all these mics that are now popping up all over mm-hmm. the place, and I think we keep these organized, keep everybody working together, so nobody's like, you know, we have this two mics on the same night on the other side of town, so people are, you know, splitting the mm-hmm. thing up, um, get it to a point where. And then the other thing is, and you know, I guess who am I to control the whole scene, but. I think the other thing we should work on is making sure the shows that we do have, we keep them strong. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, where, like, people are showing up to support to do these shows. And the other thing that I think that a lot of Melbourne comics aren't aware of, or maybe they, you have to be aware of because you see it happening, but I, th- I don't think people are registering. The Orlando comics are coming here. Yeah. There, to me, there's no reason for anyone from Avar County to be going elsewhere to do an open mic. Unless you're trying to get in front of like a booker who you want specifically to see you yeah. or that sort of thing. But like, oh, every Monday night I'm out of town, we should for the most part be around here. That's that's the because, problem that we face though is we don't yeah. have enough showcase shows. Yeah. Like what like you were saying, we have we have a populace of open mics. Yeah. But really what we need are strong showcase shows mm-hmm. that are other other yeah. than than pineapples because yeah. in reality like but blind I, line is awesome oh yeah, yeah. So, that's yeah. Right. I'm, i always forget because yeah. yeah. it's not right here with us yeah. and judd is off doing his own thing yeah. blind line is definitely like yeah. the strongest or the yeah. second strongest show yeah. in brevard county too, yeah. yeah it's so good anyway uh but like even jimmy's like slow down on the friday night beachside shows yeah. like so we have a market for more showcase shows yep. that are really strong yeah. that will get more people here as well, like yeah. not just Tuesday nights. And if we do that the right way, we can even like 
we can build it up to like ticketed shows, like how yeah. Jimmy does. Jimmy sells tickets like crazy for his Friday night shows. Yeah, now, I did literally the one that had the least amount of people, and mm-hmm. there was still like fifty fucking people. Let there, me tell you, you know? another thing that we can do that that has been done around here before. Um, if you know, so let's say, and, and this we have to do, and that's why I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get. I really I want the funky dog because I, I gotta keep hounding that guy. I'm not familiar. Um, it's right next to Pineapples. Yeah, it's oh, in it's the like Galley right, Arts right District. Um, it's just the perfect room for comedy. It's just perfect. It's a brick wall stage. It's yeah. where they do improv comedy. Though. Improv oh, okay. comedy. Yeah. yeah, but somewhere like that, right? Um, or if the blind line was bigger, but it's just just such a tight room. Yeah. But I tell you the other thing that we can we can absolutely do. And we need to start doing, and it would it would work really well with this freaking podcast. So I need to make this happen. One of the things that you can do is, let's say you see a comic, um, I don't even know, um, Tony Hinchcliffe, right, mm-hmm. is coming to the Orlando Improv Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You reach out to him and say, Wednesday or Sunday, we're 40 minutes away, we're going to pay you 500 bucks, right, and we're going to come pick you up. It's not a lot of money, but he's already nearby. It's an extra quick 500 bucks in his pocket. Come over, do the podcast. We'll take you from the podcast to the venue. We all put on a show, right? So now you can very quietly build a showcase where you're bringing bigger acts that are going to pack larger venues. And like you said, build a brand that's known for doing big things. Just based on the the fact that we have an improv at least reasonably close, you know? I feel like we should start doing that with, like, like comics that are definitely big. Like, uh, Esther Koo would be, like, a good one. Oh, yeah. Who's, like, you, yeah. like somebody that you can personally before, reach yeah. out to, yeah. and she knows who you are, yeah. and, like... And she sells tickets herself. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it it might she might not be the biggest comic out there. No, but she'll get butts and seats. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and, and like, cause I feel like with these shows, like there's a price cap that's like too high. You know yeah. what I mean? So if you're selling ten or twenty dollar tickets, you're gonna get butts and seats. But if yeah. you go up thirty, thirty five dollar yeah. tickets, which is what you're gonna pay for mm-hmm. like a Daniel Tosh or like yeah. somebody yeah. at that level, even yeah. even maybe Tony Hinchcliffe now because he's kind of yeah. blown up, but. That's the kind of you're gonna have to compete with those type of ticket prices if you're gonna pay the venue and pay the the comic itself. You yeah. know, so you need somebody that's like still. Well, I don't think we pay the venue. I think it's a door or, or, deal or what, what how, wherever yeah, it is. What you're depends. It depends. Yeah. If it's if Funky Dog, you're gonna yeah, pay yeah, them. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they're. There's yeah. nothing. There's no bar for them yeah. to, to. Well, no, they sell. Um, they sell beer and okay. wine and stuff. All right. Well, so all right. Well, maybe they'll make yeah. a little bit of money <laughs> off that, or not a little yeah. bit, but still, like. They're gonna want something yeah. as well, so mm-hmm. I feel like you like it'd be better to like dip our toes into it. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Get somebody at that level that's yeah. you know that's feasibly mm-hmm. able to come over, willing to do it for five hundred bucks. Because yeah. like those bigger guys, they might be willing to do it. If it was I can like, reach out to Kyle Groom, okay, I can reach out to Esther Koo. There's a couple of people I could reach out to. Yeah, because they are, come and do Orlando all the time. So yeah, you might as well. We might as well start at that level and dip yeah. our toes into it. That way, if it's a total loss. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. We're not still on the line for giving somebody a thousand dollars or yeah. whatever it's going to end up being to get them out here. Yeah, we're you know a couple hundred bucks, and, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to bet we probably get Estrecu like three hundred bucks cash. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, we'll give you three hundred yeah. cash and a ride back and forth. Yeah. Here's you know? where it's neat. 
when I lived in New Smyrna, Mark, this guy Mark, owned a bar called uh, Flagler Tavern. And Slightly Stupid was touring through Florida at the time, and he reached out to him. And the uh, Miles, I think, it, the two main guys from Slightly Stupid, uh -huh. the singer and guitar mm -hmm. guy, I feel like an idiot not knowing their names. They came and they gave him a price. They said, Hey, we'll do it for X amount of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He brought them into this his small, cool little bar uh -huh. for an acoustic set and char and people paid out the wazoo yeah. to see them. Yeah. And I think, man, you, that's where the angle is. You're yeah. like, hey, well, I got uh Tosh coming to a two hundred seat room. The ticket's gonna cost you one fifty. Yeah. But you're gonna see <laughs> But you're gonna be sitting yeah, right in his lap. Yeah. People like that stuff man i mean granted you limit your market well but that but market exists that's why i think dipping the toes in is a good idea because we could do potentially do that for somebody that's a little smaller but will still sell tickets and then and then take profits that we make and reinvest it into somebody bigger and bigger and bigger yeah because sure. like if you start a production company with this it's not going to be a situation where like you go out you do your first show and now your production company is successful it's definitely a situation where nobody's going to make money on it for six months to a year but we're going to constantly reinvest the profits of it and get bigger and bigger shows going yeah. and then really perfect it. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's how I feel. <laughs> I, I am literally messaging Esther right now. There you mm. go. <laughs> Man, I can't uh, tell you guys how grateful I am for the opportunity to have been here. Oh, yeah. This oh, has been a good thank time. Thank you for coming. This is awesome. Yeah. I, I hope I didn't ADD through the conversation. No, this is great. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get. We're, we're at over two hours now. Yeah. Um, do you want to you wanna just do plugs and yeah. get, get out of here? Yeah, okay. Um, I am uh, roasting Eric Erlacher tomorrow. Uh, if y'all want to see a funeral, <laughs> come to Nightshade Lounge tomorrow because I'm going to bury his ass. <laughs> uh, Wednesday, I have Lizette's uh, at 7, and then Thursday, I'm on the road in Port Orange with Eugene. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, what you got, Eric? I'm actually here tonight to say goodbye to Brian since I will be <laughs> roasting him tomorrow. <laughs> and then uh, I'll just be doing uh, Mugsies on Thursday. And then uh, I want to say uh, February 24th uh, is a Thursday. I got Madcaps out in New Smyrna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob's on that, or um, T Tim Blaylock's on that bill. And, mm, and nice. so is uh, Roy Shepard. So that'll, that'll be a fun time as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, follow me as well. Uh, Brian Milligan Comedy and... Uh, Double E Comedy. Okay. Oh, right. mm -hmm. And then I got uh, Wednesday, I'm going to be at Arts Garage, which is down South Florida, like kind of Fort Lauderdale area. And then I'm going to be hosting Jimmy's Kava Bar Show Friday the 10th. And that's the main stuff I got right now. So thank you guys so much. Oh, as always, listen to the 6040 Rules, which is my comedy album on Spotify and all that stuff. Um, so thank you guys so much. This has been the Funny Style Podcast. Later.